saying, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 269. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, I'm Trace Balloon. And I'm Frank Conniff. TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater 3000 and the Mads are back. And you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Mm, I love leftovers, especially pop culture ones. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Welcome back, Jake. Hey, thank you, thank you. Good to be back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, ear infection last week? Yeah, it was pretty shitty. I took a vacation off for the Magic Set pre-release, and then the day before it happened, I got an ear infection, so it was awful. And then I still went to one of the events because I said, fuck it, and that didn't help me get better anytime fast. So. Yeah, making good or decisions. Any faster. Making good decisions. Uh, always. You yeah. know me. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, that's... Yeah, and then you make yourself even more sick by doing that, Jake. Yeah, yeah. And, but we had the big blizzard right after, so I was trapped inside and couldn't go after anyway, so. Yeah. Nah. Then or never. I'm glad I did it. I have no regrets. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, we are not alone this week. Uh, we have a uh, first-time guest on the podcast, Tyler Bennett. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And not only Tyler, but... Uh, I was like, oh, fuck. Let's have this guy back. Aaron from Nerds Podcast, welcome back. Hello. Thanks hey. for having me. Yeah. You, I'm, I'm glad you're already glad I came back. No. <laughs> That's all off-air shit. It's like, fuck, every time like I have you on, you remind me of why I shouldn't when we're like... <laughs> I'm kidding. He's like a gas station hot dog that way, right? Like every, every six months, you're like, oh, I'll try this. Yeah. yeah. They always look good. And then as I pass you through my colon, I'm like, fuck. No. As you shit me out into your own podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but no, I was just on your podcast recently. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I had you on for glass. It was, uh, it was a good review. Yeah, it was fun. 
we are opposites. I don't think we could be more opposite. No, but it, what I liked about your uh, like doing it with you guys was the fact that sounded really pervy, but I kind of liked it anyway. But <laughs> what I like about doing you guys is the fact that oh shit, I'm doing it again. No, um, <laughs> we got to just spoil the shit out of glass, and that was a lot of fun. So I enjoyed it. So yeah, check out the latest episode of Nerds. I actually have your podcast listed in our show notes. Hey, we're about to explode. All right. You know, you guys are really popular and we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. What, how, what is your definition of popular, Aaron? I mean, I, <laughs> well, we get. I don't know your downloads. I mean, I haven't. Um, since you changed your password for all your sites, I haven't been able to. Track. <laughs> but I think we get about 300 a week. So I assume you get more than that. So anything more than that is very popular to me. Yeah, we are fucking popular then. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Have 305. Jesus Kobe. Christ. We are A list celebrities, I guess. I oh, mean, man. Yeah. Another parade in our honor, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, stick around. Uh, we're going to talk about you know iTunes reviews and all that bullshit, but stick around. Uh, Marvel News, a little bit of Marvel News is going to come early. Uh, we're going to be talking about this Avengers Endgame time loop theory that has been taking Reddit by storm this week. And uh, I think that we're going to kick that off before we get the good pop, bad pop. But I also wanted to let people know that I started a Pop Culture Leftovers Discord server. Um, if you don't know what Discord is, don't fucking bombard me with tweets. Just go to fucking Google. Like, seriously, that thing is amazing. Like, if you don't know what something is, you can type it in Google. Like, if you don't know the release date for a certain show, if you don't know this or that, whatever, if you got a rash on your balls, WebMD. I mean, guys, fucking Google will do a lot of things. So uh, we did start a Discord server. I might, I'm thinking about what I can do with it. I just wanted to make sure I get it started. I might do like a monthly chat with listeners where I get in a group and I talk for like an hour and we chat or whatever. And I don't know, just chat about whatever. I don't know. Uh, might be a nice way to get to know some of you and then realize that it was a bad idea and then disband the whole thing altogether. But in the meantime, I've started the server, and I actually put the server link in the notes for this week's show. So check it out. Uh, let's see here. Jake, are you ready to jump into some iTunes reviews? Oh, always. Hey, t- you know, hold on. I'm being a dick. Tyler, first time on the show. Yeah. First time on the show. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, there's not much to tell. I mean, <laughs> All right, then let's move on yep. into iTunes reviews. Uh, can I quickly give Tyler an iTunes review? Um, yes. One star? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, Tyler, can you tell us about a little bit about, oh, there's not much to tell. Like, that is like, oh, my gosh. I, I can't imagine you, like, doing, like, one of those speed dating things. Like, it's just got to, that would be hell. I, yeah, I would never do that. <laughs> I don't know. I work full time and I'm in school, so I don't have time to do anything. Awesome. Well, you have time to uh, be on our show and be uninteresting. So thank you for that. Um, (laughs) Looking forward to to, to more comments like that. Hey, um, let's move. I'm fucking with you, Tyler. I'm I'm glad (laughs) to have you on the show, man. And we are going to be jumping into our iTunes reviews. It's one star All right. 
here we go. iTunes review number one. It's titled Short and Simple. It's a five star and it comes from Riggs. Riggs. How is that spelled? Like a bunch of E's? Yeah, a bunch of E's. R and then followed by four uppercase E's with a uppercase G and an uppercase Z. And that's Riggs. All right. Okay. And it goes on to say this podcast is the shiv. So we are a blunt metal instrument used in prisons to kill other prisoners, Jake. Oh, man, I don't know if that would work very well. <laughs> but, yeah, and I, I guess it was short. You got that part right? Yeah, I don't I don't understand the review. I. Oh, yeah, me neither. I don't. We're the shiv. Is he trying to avoid not getting edited, maybe, by saying shit? Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Just put an asterisk there. Like, you know, shiv, yeah. like, you're changing the whole iTunes review at that point and comparing us to, you know, a homemade knife that prisoners use to kill other prisoners with. Like, I don't know. If this was an Oz podcast, this might be a great fucking review. <laughs> I mean, hi. Yeah, we, we kind of missed the boat on the Oz podcast. Yeah, I know. Hey, welcome. We're going to be reviewing the latest episode of Locked Up this week. Uh, this podcast is a shiv. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. But this, I don't know. This makes enough sense. <laughs> I would, yeah, give this review to Shiv. Yeah, no shit. I, I want to murder this in a s- prison cell. <laughs> fucking put I was my- thinking maybe they use you as like a torture device in Guantanamo or something. No, that's you on a podcast, Tyler. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Fuck, they're like, hey, can, can you have this guy stop talking to me and waterboard me some more? Because <laughs> this guy is waterboarding the shit out of me, Bore- waterboarding the shit out of me. Tyler is Googling, can you slit your wrist with a shiv? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> it's sad. This podcast is just turned into like us making fun of Tyler and he's done nothing wrong. Like literally nothing wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm into it because normally I'm the one getting fun of it. That's true. It's my turn. Next one comes from Broham, 1634, and it's titled Thank You Guys. And it's a five star. And it goes on to say, this podcast is amazing and helps me get through some of my days when I'm not doing too hot. It helps educate me on things I love and inspired me to create my own podcast. And this is where he plugs his own podcast, Jake. Oh, no. I know. Worst. It, it was so good. I know. <laughs> I know. All you have to do is ask me to just send me a message or say something like, you guys inspired me. Could you plug it? But like when they force it into the iTunes review, it kind of makes it feel dirty, doesn't it? Very, very yeah. much so. I roll every time. <sighs> My podcast is called Educating You on the Culture. It is still very new, but I love doing it and have and I have these guys to thank for it. Thank you for such amazing content. I don't know, Jake. I don't I hope it's sincere. I hope it's sincere. I you know, I that that's great that we've inspired you to do it, but you never know, Jake. You never know if somebody's actually listened or they're just seeing like, oh, these guys get a lot of iTunes reviews and they read them and I'm going to put my name out there. I don't know. I don't I I don't want to like say either way. You yeah, know? they could be doing like an Aaron Claude Miller thing where they're trying to jump onto the popular train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, why don't we educate him on the culture of writing reviews and uh, say it's culturally uh, unacceptable to I, plug your own podcast in a review? I will take this review over a future review. That, uh, I'll, hold on. We'll get to it. Here we go. This next one. Yeah, so thank you, Broham1634. Um, this next one comes from Pop Culture North Carolina, NC. So I'm guessing North Carolina. Yeah, 
Seems right. Yeah. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving, it's a five star. After listening to PCL for over two years, not only has Jake and Brian opened my eyes to entertainment that I wouldn't have ever tried, they have also helped develop a community of fans that have allowed for me to discover other great podcasts. And then he goes on to plug those. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> they, they inspire us to be better fans by looking out for one another and encouraging creativity. Their crude, raw, and honest opinions on movies, television, and comics is refreshing. They defend what they like, even if the world hates it, and will not blindly follow the masses if it might be the popular thing to do. Thanks for all you guys do. And that comes from Pop Culture NC. Oh, that, that was very good. That, that wasn't yeah. the one you were talking about. No, right? no, 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 no. Oh, I was like, whoa, I didn't see anything wrong. No, that, no. Was, that was a fantastic review. That was a great review. This next one, a little bit of a story here. Um, let's see here. So I get an email earlier in the week. And it's, uh, it's from Warren. And uh, Warren, Warren sends me this really long email about this far from home theory we talked far from spider-man far from home last week and he sends me this fucking novel about his theory for far from home and it is fucking long and wanted me to like read it on the podcast and like dude like send me bullet points because like i can't monopolize the entire show by by reading this gigantic theory that you're you're clearly very proud of because not only did you send me an email but that was the basis that was your the entirety of your fucking itunes review this week was the same email about your far from home theory like you know we read these itunes reviews so you're kind of like forcing my hand to read your theory on this week's episode by making your far from home theory your iTunes review like I I this has got to stop guys I I love the passion I think it's fantastic but I can't set this precedent where where people are leaving basically emails as their iTunes reviews and I can't so I'm not going to read it I'm going to put it in the show notes and if someone wants to read it there they can read it there but I can't I mean and you got people if you want to have me read your theories and stuff you got to shorten them like these are insanely long, and I can't just <laughs> monopolize the entire show based on a on a far from home theory from one of our listeners. We just don't have the time for it. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick, but Jake, do you think that theories are? Do you think the place for theories for them to post their theories is in an iTunes review? Like, as, I, yeah, you know my answer. I know, I, but but I want to. I'm looking for uh, some reassurance from my co-host right now. Uh, I got your back 100% here. You know me. The minute an iTunes review sounds like an email, I'm I'm smelling gross cheese. It's disgusting. Get it out of here. Yeah. So, so how long is this thing? I, I mean, I haven't – I don't have, like, the word count, but it's it's pretty yeah. long. I mean, and the email's even longer. I, I'm going to post the email in our show notes. I, th- I figure that that's nice enough, you know. So if you want to read the uh, the Far From Home Theory uh, from Warren – uh, who is WMC25 on iTunes, you can read it there. I just can't start turning, you know. I don't want to turn iTunes reviews into Michael Cannon mashup hour. I don't want to turn iTunes reviews into theories. Um, yeah, don't suggest movies for us to watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's silly. Come on, guys, get with it. You know, come on. It, does it make sense to do those things? No, come on. Anyway. You're supposed to help 
other people that don't listen to our podcast come and listen to our podcast. And that kind of stuff is a deterrent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we did get a Podbean review. I don't have it pulled up, so I'll read that fucker next week. It was probably that, uh, it was probably that guy giving his theory again on Podbean. I don't know, Jake. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, I want to let everybody know. that. So thank you for the iTunes reviews, everybody. Uh, I want to let everybody know that uh, I found out that every episode of Pop Culture Leftovers, not every episode of Pop Culture Leftovers is on iTunes or, or uh, Google Play or Stitcher or uh, Pocket Cast or whatever app you use. But if you use CastBox, I've noticed that every episode's on CastBox. So all 300-plus episodes. Because, like, we've had bonus episodes and, and stuff like that, Jake. So it, I think it totals a little over 300, and they're all on the CastBox app. Oh, that's awesome. Because, yeah, like, iTunes only has, like, the last 100, and you're right about Google Play the same. So, yeah, that's a real easy way to do it rather than having to, like, stream it from our site. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize iTunes took uh, or moved episodes or whatever, however they get rid of them. It depends. It depends on how you publish your episodes. Um, I publish mine through WordPress. I don't want to get into mm. this all this, but anyway, WordPress will only let me do like the 100, and then they're gone. So, like, if you publish it through the, it just it depends on how you publish. Okay, it. yeah, it's probably just a server thing yeah. on their end. I don't know. This is fucking Geek Squad boring bullshit that nobody wants to <laughs> fucking hear. But you know, yeah. Let's, hey, welcome to RSS Feed Hour with Brian well, and Aaron. Like that, you inspired a new podcast I just started with my friend Brian. It's called uh, How Podcasts Work. Uh, it's on the uh, Fuck You Network. That, uh, anyways, goodbye. <laughs> just hang up. Sorry. Yeah, can, yeah. Please just leave, Aaron. <laughs> just. I mean, seriously. Like, I'm begging to be on a fucking date with Tyler Bennett right now. Like, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Do you, I'm scared to ask. Do you have a Michael Cannon mashup? I do. I thought of two. <laughs> well, I had one kind of. Uh, in, uh, on my podcast way back uh, on Nerdborn actually so not relevant to now but I tried to get a friend who works for a Aaron's all about bringing up non-relevant shit isn't he Jake <laughs> oh yeah he's the king of that and then he points it out make sure you knew I wasn't plugging because I mean it's still there but I, do, I don't even know what episode anyways I wanted to have a friend of mine who works at uh, the Yeti uh, make a mashup shirt uh, called Dr. Woe and it's Bill and Ted and Doctor Who mixed together because obviously they're phone booths and police box or whatever. And uh, so basically, I guess it's which one? Which one's Keanu? Is he Ted? He's Ted Theodore yes. Logan. Yeah. And then there's so Bill S. Preston Esquire. Yeah. Uh, and then I had another one that I thought up while I was driving home from work uh, two days ago, and it is. Uh, uh, hold on a second. Nickel Wise, and it's a. Uh, Pennywise, but with the lead singer of Nickelback's hair. <laughs> wow, that's even scarier than the real one. <laughs> that's it. Uh, let's see here. I've got one. It's. Uh, it, I think this is like the ultimate inception of a Michael Cannon mashup ever because it's Michael Cannon, the artist himself, as a physical cannon shooting himself out of himself. Well, like that it. sounds awesome, like an M.C. Escher-looking thing. So, yeah, get on that, Michael. I don't know. Pick one, Michael. Make it make it happen. I think the Michael Cannon mashups over the past few weeks have been lacking, Jake. <laughs> wow. You mean on his end or on our end? <laughs> our end. Oh. Not on his end. 
<laughs> he's really been sucking it up. We've had great visions, but he's just been dropping the ball. No, he has not. He's done a fantastic <laughs> job. What are you talking about? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. So thank you, Michael. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'd like to take – we have a sponsor this week. I'd like to take a minute to mention our sponsor over at Impact Theory Comics. Uh, Impact Theory Comics is a new independent publisher, and they're releasing their first comic, and it's called Neon Future. And this comic is a collaboration with uh, world-famous DJ producer Steve – how do you pronounce this guy's name? name? Aoki. Steve Aoki. And it's uh, written by the Eisner Award-winning writer of Justice, Jim Kruger, with artwork by Neil Edwards and Jeremy Rapak. Uh, the artwork and story are absolutely mind-blowing. And then I, I, I basically, this, is, this comic book is something that I wouldn't promote if I didn't like it. We, we dropped one of our past sponsors because the product stopped working for me after one use. Jake, you remember Studio Sweden. Um, oh, yeah. And, and you remember how brutally honest we were when it came to our past sponsor, 1UP Box. So this sponsor, I told, I was like, I, I, you know, I, I said, if, if I'm going to promote your comic, I'm going to make sure it's, it's something that I really like before I even talk about it. And uh, I read it, and I'm happy to report that this is a pretty good uh, science fiction book. Uh, you've got two classes of people in the future fighting against each other. Uh, one group of people are trying to restore humanity and get jobs back from robots uh, and AI that have taken their jobs from them. And that group is called the return. Uh, the other group has embraced technology. So they basically have these implants and are what the book calls uh, plugged in. And uh, they're plugged in with this tech and they can even bring you back from the dead if you die. So here's the hook. The leader of the return dies and they bring him back with tech so now like his enemies like make this guy what he was fighting originally so not only is the concept cool in my opinion but you meet some interesting people along the way in this story and even the villains are pretty layered um some of this guy's friends could soon be enemies and as, as well because he's now part of this tech and i really dug this book it's called neon future from impact theory and i know you guys read it as well i want to get your thoughts here real quick aaron i uh yeah i liked it uh i i kind of want to read more to get a little bit more background on what the hell's going on because you know it's a first issue so it's like especially in this one the guy dies so it's like he's our narrator so it's like kind of confusing because he's confused but uh i really like the art a lot and uh i like the concept it reminds me a bit of deus ex which is a game series where you know it's sort of like the same thing you know future uh world where tech versus non-tech you know people are fighting but this is a little bit more on like a terrorist level, which is really cool. I, I, I actually really enjoyed it. And I liked the end, like the letter from the author kind of about how he ended up where he's at, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tyler. Uh, yeah. Aaron said a lot of what I was going to say. Um, I thought the artwork was fantastic, especially when uh, the leader of the one side went into the guy's like head or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, that that was great. Um, but yeah, first issues are a little slow sometimes, um, but it definitely got me intrigued, and I'd like to read more. Do you know if you'll be able to get this at a comic shop, or is it all digital? I'm going to go over all that information here in just a moment. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, Jake. But yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't find it really slow at all. I thought it was very fast paced. And um, I also want to comment on the artwork, man. I, to me, it kind of reminded me of almost like a painterly Mike Diodato Jr. style. It was really cool. I wasn't expecting this good of artwork from, you know, what I would consider like an indie comic. So mm-hmm. I, I was kind of blown away by that. And yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Like, you know, a really fun sci-fi action thriller. I like that it was mature audiences. It was by yeah. no means gratuitous or gory, but it's not afraid to use, you know, mature language and adult themes. And yeah, I would definitely read a second issue of this. It's very good. High taste it for this issue. Absolutely. I thought it was really good as well. So uh, if you want to get a good look uh, at the whole comic before you decide, um, they're offering a free digital issue on Instagram. I'm going to go over that here in a moment. But uh, if, like Jake said, if you like sci-fi, you're going to love this comic. So head over to your local comic book shop and then get Neon Future issue number one on your poll list because it looks like this book is going to officially hit comic book stores on March 20th. But you can read it now, and I'm going to tell you how. Uh, like I said, you can get a free issue through a digital issue through Instagram. Uh, this is very, very cool. Just give them a follow, Impact Theory Comics, a follow at IT Comics, and click the link in their bio. You can also follow them on Twitter at IT Comics, but to get the free digital issue, follow at IT Comics on Instagram and click the link in their bio. All of this info is in our show notes, so check that out. Uh, Go to your local comic book store after you read the first issue and ask for them to put it on your pull list. uh, I think it's a very cool book, and I think like if you like sci-fi stuff like that we've seen come out lately, like Altered Carbon and things like that, I think that you might really want to give this a shot. So check it out. It's called Neon Future. Let's move into what I kind of advertised at the beginning of the show, this Avengers Endgame theory that is kind of like taking Reddit by storm. Um, it's pretty detailed, so I'm going to try to break it down as best as I can. You got to listen very carefully because you don't want to miss anything. This is just a theory, and in no way can I say 100% that I, kinda su- that I support it, nor can I confirm it in any other way. But, you know, <laughs> let's just break it down. We've all talked about time travel playing a part in Avengers Endgame. But what about time loops? And we saw a time loop in Doctor Strange. I'm going to go over everything here, guys. Absolutely everything. I'm going to break down the time loops in Doctor Strange and how it would apply to Endgame. And I've got quotes here from people that were involved in the project. Um, Time loops. Stephen Strange's ability to use the time stone to create a time loop. We saw this where Doctor Strange and Dormammu would be trapped until the end of time. And this at the you guys remember at the end of Doctor Strange, they're going through, you know, Dormammu, I've come here to bargain, you know, that Mm -hmm, whole. mm -hmm. And basically you can't break that loop until Doctor Strange got his way. So that has a lot to do with this theory. So keep that scene in mind as we go through all this. So this week, our listeners, you're going to get a kind of like a crash course on this time loop theory. Um, the screenwriter, John Spates, uh, for Dr. Strange talked about coming up with this for the film to the Hollywood reporter back in 2016. And this is what John Spates said back then to THR quote it's one of the sequences i'm most proud of and there was a version not very different from what you see in the first draft 
I was able to come back at the end of the project and do some more work to help bring the movie home and refine that still further. But I think the seed of the idea actually came from Kevin Feige in the room. We were trying to figure out how that final battle could go. And Kevin was focused on his long play with the Eye of Agamotto and the role. Now, guys, remember, the Eye of Agamotto is the time stone. It was not revealed as the time stone then. But he goes on to say, and the role it's going to play in, the grand, in his grand design in the cinematic universe. Very focused on Strange's manipulation of time. It was Kevin Feige in the room who said, could he trap him in time? And that led to me writing the sequence that you see. So this is very, very important. Like, let me read some of this again. You know, he says, we were trying to figure out how that final battle could go. And Kevin was focused on his long play with the eye of Agamotto and the role it's going to play in his grand, in his grand design in the cinematic universe. Very focused on Strange's manipulation of time. And it was Kevin in the room who said, could he trap him in time? And that led to me. Guys, <laughs> this is a quote from two years ago. And it's, about, it's John Spates, and he's talking about the time stone here. Yes, they call it the Eye of Agamotto, but it is the time stone. And John Spates is alluding to Kevin Feige having big plans in the grand design on how he was going to use this in the cinematic universe. So this quote is huge. This quote is almost everything. Yeah, it feels like the seed is being planted here a little bit. And this is for further ideas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was very important because it was Kevin who actually came up with this time loop theory. He said, can he trap him in time? This is the basis of this theory that I'm going to go over. So here we go. Doctor Strange time loop theory. This comes from Dat Dan 713 on Reddit. And he goes on to talk about this theory. If you recall, in Doctor Strange's solo film, when Strange originally fought Dormammu, he used the Time Stone to create a time loop, allowing him to move through alternate timelines, trapping Dormammu in a loop. The spell itself showed two rings on his upper and lower forearm, the lower one being smaller and tighter and the upper being wider. It featured an open eye of Agamotto with the stone glowing. Similarly, when Doctor Strange was viewing alternate futures in Infinity War, it showed similar runes and bands. The only difference being it was on each arm. And there was glowing green energy surrounding him, which I gathered to imply a heavier workload on Strange and the Stone. A scene from Infinity War featured Star-Lord taking measurements on Titan, in which he said the planet was eight degrees off its axis, and its gravitational pull is all out of whack. Before and during these time measurements were taking place, Strange was busy reviewing futures. Now, if you remember during the fight on Titan, Thanos hurled the planet's moon at Tony. As you know, the moon of a planet has a great effect on a planet's gravitational pull, as seen on Earth, for example, with the moon's effect on tidal patterns. What we know about Titan is limited to Thanos' description, from what we can gather, you could make the assumption that Titan had some form of nuclear weapons and most likely entered nuclear warfare fighting over resources. However, it would take an unfathomably large amount of force to affect a planet's tilt 
which weaponry like that could not do. Now, a moon crashing into a planet, however, that might do the trick, okay? So what I'm getting at is that Doctor Strange began his spell before Star-Lord started measuring. And as he was doing so, Strange creates a time loop of sorts that has clearly already taken effect, where the repercussions of the moon's impact are already seen before it actually happens. Now, I'm not implying to know or grasp the big picture of this theory. I'm only describing the idea that popped into my head after rewatching Infinity War, and I assume others could add this to work in uh, concert with some other strange timestone ending th- endgame theories. Obviously, it could be t- uh, completely far-fetched, but I just thought it was an interesting concept. Thanks for reading. I think that, that this guy, so basically this theory is suggesting that the Titan battle may happen in some complex loop created by Doctor Strange that would give other characters the time needed to defeat Thanos by going back in time using the quantum realm to collect the stones. I like this one, but I don't like it as much as I like this next theory. Are you guys on board? Are you guys following me so far? Yeah, yeah, I follow what you're saying. Yeah, time travel's confusing sometimes, though. It's hard for me to really it, grasp it. It's a lot to process, mm-hmm. but I'm following. Okay. <laughs> I, basically, it, it this is... Re- okay, go ahead. I was, it seems really far-fetched that they wouldn't come back to kind of some of the rules they established in, at the end of the Doctor Strange movie, right? It almost seems like a misstep that they sure. wouldn't use that stuff, right. especially with what we know is going to happen. So this makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I think that this guy is onto something with the time loop here, but I actually like this next one a little bit better that goes into the, the, the time loop itself. I thought that that's a good introduction as to like – you know, like, okay, Dormammu, that time loop, and then here we have, like, maybe Strange started it here, but yeah, I like... It doesn't really explain the greatest hits part of it all. Like, how do we translate from the time loop into a cohesive time-traveling greatest hits Avengers movie? Well, here we go. Let me let me break this down a little bit more, um, and I'll jump into maybe it wasn't Doctor Strange himself that started this time loop on Titan, Maybe Thanos accidentally created the time loop himself and didn't realize it. And I'm going to get to that in a second, okay? The time stone can be dangerous. Let's talk about the rules of the time stone. The time stone can be dangerous to use if it's not used by a master of the mystic arts. In Doctor Strange, Baron Mordo and Wong did tell Stephen, they warned him about the time stone. They said, quote, temporal manipulation can create branches in time. Unstable dimensional openings, spatial paradoxes, time loops. So there can be consequences for using it if you are not a master of the mystic arts, which Thanos, as far as we know, is not a master of the mystic arts. This is like, you know, he used it right after acquiring it. So let's look at these consequences, uh, consequences, branches in time, unstable dimensional openings, special paradoxes, time loops. I mean, thinking about later on down the road, like this could actually bring about like Silver Surfer, Galactus, even Kang the Conqueror, uh, the X-Men, Fantastic Four. I mean, it could all this stuff could bring apart, uh, bring them about into the universe. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. Earlier I asked, did Thanos create an accidental time loop? And I love this theory. This theory comes from Reddit user, but it's 936-528-77410. Random is the name of the Reddit user. But I love this theory. And it goes on to say, when Thanos reformed the Mind Stone, maybe he accidentally created a time loop. 
evidence. Number one, there may be a green time loop design around his wrist when he's fixing the Mind Stone in Infinity War. Number two, there is a specific green time loop design around Doctor Strange's wrist in Doctor Strange when he uses time loop. Number three, accidental time loops are possible. When Doctor Strange first uses the time stone in Doctor Strange, there is great concern about accidentally creating a time loop. The warning was after the spell. And four, Thanos has no training in mystic arts in the MCU. The theory here is Doctor Strange had to give Thanos the time stone in Infinity War, so it's not the last stone Thanos gets. Thus, Thanos has to misuse it pre-snap. This is important. Thanos has to use, misuse it pre-snap and accidentally create a loop. Additionally, should have aimed for the head comment phrased to allow for possibility that Thanos was aware of time loop when giving the comment. Speculation as to how this plays out in Endgame? Someone kills Thanos, but the time loop will reset to the time just before the snap. Like the villain in Doctor Strange, the hero who kills Thanos will become aware of the loop. So will Thanos. But no big deal for Thanos. Thanos just simply snaps again. Because he's the one who created the time loop. Just like Doctor Strange created the time loop at the end of Doctor Strange. So Thanos keeps... Thanos is just going to continue to keep snapping. So the next time a hero delays killing Thanos, eventually finds the team and learns that Ant-Man can travel through time to help. In winning, in the winning iteration, the heroes break the loop before the snap and tell Thor to aim for the head. Some hero dies breaking the loop. Thor hits the head. The stones are dispersed. Visions repaired, mind stone fragments kept in Wakanda for repair. Spider Man needs a vacation. So, basically, like this, this whole theory is kind of like the third act could be the Avengers battling Thanos in an endless loop until they finally work together as a team and figure this out. Which Ant Man isn't affected by the time loop since he's in the quantum realm, which the MCU wiki says, quote, space and time are believed to be irrelevant. So that means that the snap, like every di- everybody that died pre-snap could stay dead, but everybody that died post-snap could come back. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I can see what they're saying where that would be the ultimate sacrifice would happen too. that eventually they're probably going to figure out that that's what's going to have to be done to get the winning combination. Here's the thing. It's the, the thing is like, Doctor Strange created a time loop at the end of Doctor Strange. And it just kept going through the time loop until he got the ending that he wanted. If, and he, (sighs) hold on, hold on, let me finish. I'm not done yet. That means, hold on, Thanos, when he used the time stone to bring vision back after they after they destroyed after scarlet witch and vision destroyed the mind stone and thanos who's not a master of the mystic arts used the time stone in doctor strange they were warned of time loops and consequences of misusing the time stone thanos who is not a master of the mystic arts uses the time stone to bring the stone back into play the mind stone bring vision back Unbeknownst to him, he's created a time loop. 
Yeah, I like it. I love the theory about how Doctor Strange knew to make sure to just give the gym up so it wouldn't be the last. That's fat. That's fascinating. So you would have to use it before you had them all to even create the time loop. And so all the other things that we're seeing in this movie are the other things that they're talking about here that can be consequences of of misusing the time stone. Unstable dimensional openings, spatial paradoxes, branches in time. Why are we seeing, you know, Hawkeye going around killing the Yakuza in Japan? Like we're supposed to believe this is happening moments after the snap? No, this is that's definitely a jump into the future. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that this is it. I, like I said at the beginning, I'm said like I am not 100% endorsing this theory. I'm just saying I can definitely see these statements from Kevin Feige, who's talking about how they can use this into the grand scheme later on down the road. Now, that quote wasn't directly from Kevin Feige. But it was from John Spades saying that was a talk that they had at a meeting and how they can use the mind, like the, the overall picture of the mind, uh, the time stone later on in the MCU. I don't know. I'm fascinated by this. I think that definitely there could have been a time loop that was created. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's not hard to connect the dots to see how they could kind of do a lot of really interesting Groundhog Day stuff with this, too, like with the Avengers, you know? Well, the thing so, is, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the Avengers, like some of them are, are in they're in the quantum realm. It's Ant-Man who's not affected by the time loop gets. He's the one that breaks. He can break the time loop here. You know, he can come out of it and get them all in these quantum suits which we've seen these pictures of these white quantum suits. It's, you know, we originally saw these quantum suits in the concept art for Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was these suits that Hank Pym created. And now we've seen these same designs show up on toys. And so we've got, you know, Ant-Man showing up and giving these suits to Rocket, Thor, Black Widow, uh, Iron Man, and they're going to use the quantum realm. And unbeknownst to Thanos, who's trapped in this time loop, they're going to be they're going to they're going to go back into the past into the quantum realm through the quantum realm they're going to be going back into the past and trying to collect these stones that are on earth there's three stones on earth and so they're going to try to collect these stones in the past while thanos is trapped in this time loop like we might have um you know scott showing up and saying like you know, this it's a time loop or something. We might have Doctor Strange explain through, like, wherever he's at, through the Soul Stone or something. Somebody's got to explain that Thanos is trapped in a time loop. And I think, like, am I making sense or am I, is, or am I fucking crazy here? Or have I read so many fucking theories that I'm crazy? Do you have, like, uh, red yarn strung around your house right now? <laughs> <laughs> and then Hawkeye over here, but then if it, Ant-Man... I take this shit really seriously, Aaron. It's fun for me. It's fun for me. Like, I love these movies. So, yes, uh, if you want to believe that there's yarn over here, my cats have since destroyed it. But, yeah, man, I'm going I'm going down a goddamn rabbit hole with these fucking Avengers Endgame theories. And it's I'm having a blast doing it. I just so I'm, I, I'm presenting it to you guys. And I just kind of was asking if you think I'm crazy or if you could if you can dispute it. Well, no, I definitely think it's—I definitely think it's a plausible idea. I just so in all of like in it, we are on one branch of the multiple loops, right? Like it's a loop that starts at the or starts at should have gone for the head or whatever right before then when he gets the time stone and uses it to get the mind stone back. But how 
uh, where does it end? Is the question? You know what I it mean? It doesn't end until Thanos is aware. He's the one who started the loop. Okay. When, when okay. he's aware of the time loop, then 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 it'll keep repeating itself. So I think like this will be a like you're going to have the heroes with their quantum suits on. They're not going to be affected by the actual time loop. Um, because Ant-Man's going to show up and kind of save the day, and they're going to be going around through different points in time, through the quantum realm, through the time vortexes, and they're going to be gathering stones and also hopefully gathering different heroes throughout different points in the Marvel Universe in, like, specific... You know, like, we might go back to, like... um, uh, the Winter Soldier period, because we've actually seen Cap wearing his Winter Soldier suit. Uh, we know that they're going to be going back to the Battle of New York. We've seen those scenes. We've seen Tony look 10 years older in those scenes, too. So I, I fully believe that there's definitely not. I don't know if it's 100 percent 10 years older, but he has gray hair. He definitely has makeup on to make him look older. So I think there's going to be a lot of time travel involved. Thanos in a time Thanos is in a time loop and not even aware of it. And and so they're able to unbeknownst to Thanos just travel through time with through the quantum realm and try to gather these stones before Thanos does. So that way so, like when he snaps one time it won't work. Okay, so Prior to Ant-Man showing up, they are in the loop. It just hasn't ended yet, right? No, yeah, exactly. Like, there there is no reason for the loop to end. Like, they're in a loop, but there's no reason for that loop to end because Thanos is not aware that he's in a time loop, that he's trapped in a time loop. And so on, in some of them, he dies, though, right? And it goes back to the beginning of the loop? Um, or is that in because that was the other theory, that's right? just part of the theory is basically okay. like there's eventually the team finds uh, f- finds and learns that Ant-Man can travel through time uh, in the winning iteration heroes break the loop before the snap and tell Thor to aim for the head so okay. yeah I, you know I thought he said the hand because <laughs> I thought he was saying you should have cut the glove off that's what I thought too the first time I watched the <laughs> fucking movie but yeah he says the um yeah, so Thor should have aimed for the head, and then in this one he hits the head. I don't know. It's just a theory. I think it's cool. I know it's complicated, guys, um, and I know, you know, I've been studying it for the past, like, week, and uh, so I think the theory actually came out, like, maybe, eh, not a week, but maybe, like, three, four days ago, so. I like the symmetry of it all, you know, coming back and kind of ending the same place you ended the first movie, except yeah. just a little bit different, but proper. It's definitely, like, deep-level genius writing if that you know if that works out it it shows a level of like planning that's crazy i mean i guess you could kind of write around it uh but it it would it would seem like feige's got this idea going from basically since dr strange yeah i just feel like you know thanos as soon as he gets his hands on the time stone uses it and as soon as he uses it to bring the mind stone back to bring the to bring vision back He's misused the time stone, and he's not a master of the mystic arts. He created a time loop right then and there. So anytime it gets bro- anytime like the loop starts over, it'll start over from that point. So everybody before that point that died is dead, and everybody that you know, you know, died. Uh, that's, that's Gamora, Gamora. Loki, uh, Loki. Yeah. But, okay. but Loki's got a TV show coming, so how's that? Heimdall. Um, Loki has a TV show. They've recently, um, I don't know if it's going to, I mean, that could be a prequel. That could, that, that, that could just be as easy as a prequel. Um, That's true. They've recently on the MCU wiki page uh, put something that the, 
the Tesseract, uh, the, 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 what was it? Not, no, the Tesseract was a space stone. It was the Mind Stone that was in his staff. That, yes, it was the Mind Stone that was in Loki's staff in the, uh, the Avengers. If you go to the MCU wiki now, marvel.com or whatever, um, yeah, yeah, if you go to marvel.com, the page for Loki in the MCU, They've changed a little bit of his description to say that the Mind Stone that was in the sep- that was in the scepter was amplifying his hatred for Thor. So that wasn't one hundred percent him. Like I, mean, yeah. I remember us talking about this, how they kind of retconned it to make it a little bit less evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know he could still, I guess, be a hero of sorts when they do the show. I don't know if Loki's coming back or not as far as, like, you know, post-Endgame, but they could easily just do a prequel. Yeah, that's what I was assumed was happening. I have a question about the time loop stuff. Yeah. Do you think it's, like, a straight timeline, or is it branching so, say, that Hawkeye stuff could be not in the future, but an alternate reality timeline? Or something I, like that. I think that that's. I do think that that's in the future. I would believe because I think that his family was caught up in the snap, and with the with his family being taken in the snap, since then he's kind of snapped. I mean, he's not even using the bow anymore. He's using, you know, the the, the blades. The blades. And, you know, now we've got Black Widow who, you know, if you go back and you watch like, you know, the older movies, like he's talking to her and saying like, you know, that day I had I could have killed you and I chose not to. And like they snapped her out of like all the brainwashing she had gone through. And so like one of the big reasons like she's not that killer assassin anymore is Hawkeye. And here we've got in that scene, you've got Black Widow showing up to, you know, uh, seeing how Hawkeye turned out post this snap, however many years it's been. And here he is just a brutal murderer going around killing people. Now, sure, he's killing people that are involved in some shady shit. But on the flip side, like he's, you know, just he's a vigilante taking like the, the law into his own hands. And he's kind of just turned into like what she was. And it's got to be heartbreaking for her. I mean, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of time travel. Um, let's just get to it here real quick. I know that, you know, we're going to be getting, um, you know, uh, uh, Cassie Lang is going to possibly be stature in Endgame. We don't know. We, they, we know that they've cast Emma. Is it Emma Furman? She's an actress who's, uh, I, I believe, six years older than the actress that plays the girl in the Ant-Man and Wasp films. So we know that we're looking at least at, at an older you know, Cassie Lang in this movie. Um, and then some people are, we, we saw the picture that Catherine Langford posted, Catherine Langford, the actress from 13 reasons why and love Simon posted a picture of herself on Instagram during reshoots for Avengers Endgame, And she's dyed her hair red. And so people are speculating, is she, is she going to be, you know, um, Tony and Pepper's daughter that, you know, Morgan that, you know, we we heard at the beginning of, of Avengers Infinity War. Tony was talking about how he had a dream that they were married and they had a kid. And it was they named her after that uh, the uncle of hers or whatever. And they named her Morgan. And um, and uh, what was what was the other thing The the Russos were actually asked about that at one time? They were what were they asked? They were asked. um 
Yeah, they were asked at a Q&A online if that was a dream or a reality from an alternate timeline. And the Russos responded, quote, it was a dream, but dreams are mysterious. Kind of like, fuck you, we're not telling you anything. So, oh yeah, I remember reading about that. That was like during the their like voodoo Q and A stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's actually an official tweet from the Avengers uh, Twitter page. Yeah, yeah. So. This is the dreams are mysterious thing. Uh huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but that's all. That's that's all from the Russos. The Russos uh-huh. had control of that Twitter account during like the the voodoo second screen commentary yeah. viewing thing. They right. Were doing. Yeah. Wouldn't they have to go way in the future for this Catherine Langford girl to be related to Tony, though? Sure. She's older than Emma Furman. Yeah, and we've, we've seen pictures of Tony in the Battle of New York with gray hair. He looks very much older in those pictures. He does not look huh. like he doesn't look like Tony that we saw during the, the Avengers battle. Like if you look at Tony during the actual Avengers battle. From that movie in 2012, he does not look the way that he does in these scenes. And Ant-Man's there. You've got Tony with gray hair, and he visibly like looks very much aged. He looks older. He looks about a decade older. Is that exciting for you, for Langford to play that role, though? That's the one, the no, one hang-up for me. I want, that, uh, kind I want, of, a, of all the things I don't really care about No, I, I want, future kid. I want her to play Kate Bishop. Yes. I want her. She's the perfect Kate Bishop. I want her to play the female Hawkeye. That's, who, you know, but it doesn't make sense for her to play Kate Bishop when you've got Hawkeye going around killing the Yakuza. Unless, like, she's kind of, like, taken on the mantle because he's lost his shit. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I will kind of groan if this is the uh, future kid of Pepper and Tony. I mean, I, I mean, it all depends. I like. I'd be interested to see kind of the impact that has on Tony if if they get to interact. You know, if he is outside of the time loop, getting to meet his own child would be kind of interesting, right? Yeah, for a moment, but it's just going to be such a fleeting moment if the whole purpose of the thing is to find the correct loop. Well, if, yeah. if Tony ends up dying, but he ends up, he gets to meet his kid that he never got to meet, that'd be kind of neat. That's very true. And yeah, that's interesting, too. That she's still going to have the kid. He got to meet her. He can tell before he dies, he can tell Pepper how well she grew up. Yeah. yeah. The Far From Home trailer convinced me that Tony's dead, too. How so? How did that convince you? The whole... Um, uh, happy, and uh, and he's not in it. I don't, I don't know. It just of course they're not going to show him in it, Tyler. Like give that away before the Endgame movie comes out. Of course they're going to hide that Spider-Man. stuff. Yeah, but it's a Spider-Man movie. They have no control over what Sony does in their marketing, Tyler. But they do have. They they can't. They Marvel can tell them not to put Tony in the movie. Tony could easily just show up in one of these scenes talking to him through FaceTime. I mean, they don't have to show that in this film. I mean, you literally have um, uh, 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 Flash Thompson saying Mysterio looks like Iron Man and Thor all rolled into one, and Peter doesn't look upset at all. He just kind of smiles. And, you know, after he makes these comments about how Spider-Man's so cool and blah, 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 he mentions Thor and Iron Man and and Peter doesn't react about his dead his dead mentor. Yeah, that's a great point. Even Flash himself, if just like 
weeks before Iron Man died, probably wouldn't be making off the cuff references like that. And this is supposed to be happening moments like, quote, minutes after Avengers 4 ends. Tony's dead. And we get no reaction out of Spider-Man at all. I mean, I'll believe it. You know, I'll believe it if I see it. If that's the, if that's what happens, then sure. But I don't know. Was was Peter even in the room when Flash said that though? Yeah. Because doesn't he walk in right after that? No, he's standing there, and then oh, Flash says, "What's up, dickhead?" <laughs> Dickwad. No, Dickwad. My bad. My bad. Okay. There was no. I mean, they don't. They don't have to. You know the 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 name on the check that said Pepper Potts. Pepper's always been in charge of the business of Stark Enterprises, uh, as far as like the business side, for the longest time now. Like that happened back in I believe in Iron Man two. He said like it was always you, and then like you know like mm-hmm. when he when and and then then he uses that line again in the Endgame trailer when he's talking about how much he loves her. So you know it was always you. See, I had the feeling it was more going to be that he doesn't die, but he retires kind of thing. And so because he's so integral to the Marvel movies, like he could be our next Nick Fury-esque type of cameo, you know, kind of walk in one day of shooting type roles. And I think that would be pretty cool. I don't know. I'm just like I'm just not convinced, Tyler, that 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 far from home trailer gave us evidence that he's dead. Like not showing him in the trailer just means that Kevin Feige said no, I, I, I'm not going to let you. I mean, you can do Spider-Man. Spider-Man's your character. That's your movie. You've got it slated for July. It only makes sense that you're going to show Tom Holland in your trailer. Um, I'm just not convinced that anything in that trailer proved to me that he's dead. Yeah, maybe I'm I falling for the, for the Marvel trickery Sony, I don't know. Maybe I'm falling for it. Yeah, at the end of the day, I could be wrong. Iron Man could be, you know, deader than a doornail. I have no fucking clue. But (laughs) but there's nothing in that trailer that can tell me that's like with beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's dead. You know, so oh yeah, it's not 100. percent I just got a feeling from it. I was like, I got a feeling. I got a feeling from it that, and I Mm. could be wrong here, but I got a feeling from it felt like Nick Fury bothering spider-man while he's on his vacation every just thing seemed really weird like why would nick free fury go to a teenager while he's on his class trip and well that was another thing why would nick fury go to spider-man if i if tony's still alive well i mean no i'm just that's a good question well I, i mean you know i mean the elementals i don't know i was just thinking i was thinking like this nick fury was a scroll that was my whole point Oh, that's, oh interesting. That's, that's interesting. And they've definitely done that in the comics. Yeah, that, that's I was going. That's where I was going with this one. It's like, is this Nick Fury a scroll? So purposely putting Spider-Man in a bad situation by yeah. posing as Nick Fury. But I don't know how, like how how much is how much is Sony going to like try to connect their story to like what's going on in like the main MCU films. Maybe Nick Fury is a machination of Mysterio himself, too. I mean, that's not against the stuff Mysterio does in the actual comics. I like that, too. I like that, too. Um, It is Mysterio, so anything could be fake or whatever. The synopsis that I read last week... Well, no, it was not the synopsis, but it was... uh, when they when when Brazil Comic Con had the um, they when they released the trailer first at CCXP, 
Jake Gyllenhaal kind of alluded to the fact that Nick Fury had also hired Mysterio to tackle these elementals. So, I mean, this whole thing could just be Mysterio. Yeah, using Nick Fury to bolster himself up yeah, to but make like, himself look more official. Does that mean that Mysterio is the one supplying the stealth suit to Spider-Man, though? That makes no sense to me. Well, it is kind of goofy. It does yeah. look sort of like a prop. Well, it was, I mean, I assume stealth suit was some kind of long con with Mysterio. Stealth suit was used in the comic books, though. It was basically the suit that Spider-Man designed to help him like fight the Sinister Six when they were combined. And so... You know, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense for me to me for. I don't know. I think I don't know who, who the fuck knows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be anything. And that's the fun thing with Mysterio is like any amount of what we see in the trailer could be fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything's possible with Mysterio. I, I mean, agree. we definitely know him blasting green smoke out of his hands is 100 percent fake. Because right? like, here's the thing. I think that everybody <laughs> knows that like he's probably creating these elementals and that's not the big twist here right guys there's got to be another big twist right it's not like you know <laughs> there's got to be would, another I'll big be twist disappointed that there's not there's got to the twist is mysterio's been dead the whole time all right mysterio is mj's dad <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. It's gonna be that every movie. He's like the father. Every of the villain. villain. He, every villain is a father of a classmate. <laughs> Until he fights the sinister six dads. <laughs> All right. Let's. I think we need to take a break now. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, you did it. You got the heat off me. Thank you. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Oh, don't be proud of that. Um. Hey. Hey. We will be right back with good pop, bad pop. Well, girls, so you started your period. Okay, now that the men have tuned out, let's get down to business. You know how our time of the month is just a made-up condition we can use when we don't want to have sex? Well, do you ever get stuck in a situation where the nasty boy says he doesn't mind and wants to get down and dirty anyways? Inspired by these moments, I'm introducing a new service called Cycle Ops. When someone isn't grossed out enough by your faux flow, just get on your Cycle Ops app and hit the panic button. Cycle Ops will covertly pinpoint your location and send an agent out to help you. Services include pouring a cup of fake blood in your lap and lightly poisoning you to induce cramps, nausea, and vomiting. If that doesn't turn him just all the way off, get back on your Cycle Ops app, sign the waiver, and we will stab him. With Cycle Ops, you don't need to be afraid. We've got our eye on you. All right. Hey, we are back, and it is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I want to talk uh, real quick about, just real quick, about a show that I saw 
this week. I watched the first two episodes. I think three are out currently, but it's called Project Blue Book, and it's on the History Channel. Uh, during the Cold War, the Air Force recruited Dr. J. Allen Hynek, one of the country's most renowned astrophysicists. He was hired to conceal UFO encounters under the guise of natural aerial phenomena. This is inspired by a true story. Um, Aidan Gillen from uh, Game of Thrones plays Joseph Allen Hynek, and then it also stars Michael Malarkey as Captain Michael Quinn. He was Enzo on The Vampire Diaries, if you watch that. Uh, anyway, this is basically about this uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, this guy who was kind of like investigating these UFO um, these unidentified flying objects and each episode they kind of like go over like a different uh, case somewhere like in the country where people are affected by UFOs. I've watched the first two. Um, it's it's good. Like I, I'm fascinated by UFOs and things like that. So kind of seeing like this acted by, you know, actors of this caliber. I mean, these are these are good actors like for History Channel to get. Um, I think Aiden Gillen, you know, like when we see him in most things, like we can kind of like peg him as like the villain because that's who we've seen him in in Game of Thrones, you know. And, uh, you know, even more recently in like Bohemian Rhapsody, like at the beginning, we're thinking like he's the villain in that movie and come to find out he's I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. But um I think this is a good role for him. I'm going to give this a taste it so far. I'm enjoying it. Um, this guy throughout his career doing this um, was a skeptic at first and then became a true believer in uh, aliens and, and UFOs and that whole phenomena. And um, so I'm kind of like curious to kind of see where this goes. But it's 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 pretty good so far. There's always kind of like in the background wherever he's showing up to like these different sites. There's always kind of like the men in black that kind of show up too and harass him. And I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm digging it enough. I, I might give it. You know, I, I, it's a taste it right now. I don't know if I'm going to continue watching it, but I might watch the next episode. But it's definitely something if you are into like ufos and that kind of stuff i i would recommend checking it out it's called project blue book on history channel have either anybody else watched this no i hadn't even heard about it sounds cool though i have not no i didn't i didn't get a chance to yeah that's what hey that's what good pop bad pop is for people it's where we get on here and we tell people about stuff and I don't know why I'm talking about the thing. I don't know why I'm talking like this. It's weird. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Colonel Sanders has yeah. got some good pop, bad pop. Exactly. Like people around me. There are 11 ingredients and spices <laughs> in Project Blue Book that I think everybody should check out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we put it in the old like chaos. That. Yeah. Did, I hey, like that character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I went and saw The Final Wish. This was a uh, one-night fathom event on Thursday, January 24th. Uh, It's a horror film, and I was like, you know what? It's a one-night event. I'm going to go check this out. Following the passing of his father, Aaron Hammond returns to his hometown to help his devastated mother and to confront his past demons. Sifting through his father's belongings, Aaron comes upon a mysterious item that is far more than it seems. It also stars Tony Todd, oh, uh, Spencer Locke, Melissa Bologna. Um, she was in the Hurricane Heist, but the main two actors in this film are Aaron Hammond um, and uh, Lynn Shay. Lynn Shay was uh, from the Insidious films, and she was also in There's Something About Mary. Um, and like I said, Tony Todd from the Candyman films. But anyway, this is directed by Timothy Woodward Jr. Uh, it's written by Jeffrey Reddick. He's the creator of the Final Destination films. 
And, um, you know, I really didn't know a lot about this movie going into it. I just knew it was a horror movie. It starred Lynn Shay, had Tony Todd in it, and it was from the guy that created the Final Destination movie. So I was like, oh, let's check this out. This might be something, you know, you don't want to miss. Um, let me just start off with the rating. This is an absolute toss. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Like, there are scenes where, like, you, you've got Lynn Shay, and she's acting her ass off. She's great. Um, Michael Welsh is really good in this as well. But, I mean, there's other times in this where you get, like, Melissa Bologna, who, I mean, uh, I'm sure she's a wonderful person, but she is not a really good actor. So there's times where you get, like, two actors in a scene and they're great, and then there's other times in this where you get, like, some actors that aren't that great in a scene and it kind of takes you out of it. And then the whole story's kind of silly, too. I mean, I... Once I found out that it was kind of like this mysterious item, I'll just tell everybody it's a it's a um, it's a uh, genie bottle basically. So we're, yeah. they don't call them. That was my guess. Yeah. <laughs> they, wow. They don't call them gins. They call them. It's, it's called the final wish. So it would lead you to believe that. But they don't call them genies. They call them gins. And um, you know, you've got this whole rules that are set in this in in this uh, in this movie. Uh, about uh, you know making these wishes and it just doesn't it's just not well executed there's there's parts in this at the beginning where I was like okay this is getting really good this is getting fun I you know these and then it just falls apart it this whole movie just falls apart and um, it was called the final wish by the end of it I wished I could get my money back because I spent $12 on this movie because I couldn't use it for A-list because it was like you know what I mean it's one of those movies where it's a fathom event and you can't use it on the A-list so yeah that, that's too bad you know because the final destination movies are kind of a guilty pleasure they are they, they, I like they didn't too. have any of like the gruesome silly death action going on with the wishes gone wrong mm, I mean like, what's the hook here even I, it sounds so terrible it's yeah, I mean, you know, and Tony Todd's great when he shows up and I mean, I don't know, dude, it's it's really the acting and it just kind of like the way everything kind of all plays out at the end. Like I if somebody does want to see this, like go ahead and watch it when it comes out, you know, however it's going to come out. It'll probably come out in like 2B TV for free or something. <laughs> Is there an actual genie in this? Like yes. a monster? Oh, Jesus. You do see it. Yes, you do see it. You know, <laughs> Is he blue? Is bad? No, he's not blue. So he's, I mean, you know, it, I don't know, man. It's, it's, this movie is not good. The ending's bad. And, I mean, Lynn Shay acts her ass off in this. Tony Todd, <laughs> Tony Todd shows up, man, and he doesn't phone it in. I think he does a good job, man. It's like a cameo appearance from him. Um, there's, you know, it's just one of those things where you're kind of like, this guy wishes that he could make some money, so he wins like a, you know, he wins a scratcher and wins $5,000. And then he makes a wish, like, oh, I wish I was better looking. Because he's got, like, this hair lip, you know? And he gets hit by a fucking car. And then they <laughs> he gets all this surgery done to his face and the hair lip's gone. So now he's better looking. And then, you know, things just kind of come out from there. He, like, his girl ex-girlfriend's with this guy who, like, beats her and shit. And he wishes that this guy would never be able to touch her again. And then things kind of, like, work out, you know? And then and then they, you know, they, they kind of figure this out with this whole gin thing. And, you know, they start questioning and they go to Tony Todd for answers. He works as an, in a li- library or something like that. But it just kind of falls apart at the end. Like, Jake, I... 
the Final Destination films are a guilty pleasure for me too. You know, it's. I mean, they're not the best movies, but they're just they're fun to watch. And like, <laughs> yeah, I always think of them as yeah. like the Roadrunner, Wile E. Coyote of yeah. horror movies. It's the mousetrap of horror movies, you know. Yeah. So I I, I get it, man. You know, they're very creative ways to die. This just, and I thought like some of it was shot really well, but it just wasn't well acted. And some like I'd say the third act is not well written. Um, it was a letdown, man. I was rolling my eyes at this. There were times where I was laughing. Um, at the end of it, there's a, they had a live taped Q, like not a live, but they had a, <laughs> they had a taped Q and A with the cast at, at a certain convention. I didn't like the movie, so I walked out. I was like, I don't, I, I don't care what they have to say about the actual movie and their experiences about making this movie if I didn't like it at all. So I just bounced. I was like, I'm not going to stick around for another 30 minutes and listen to these people talk about a movie I didn't like. So, you know, I don't know. It was a one night event and it was a complete toss it for me. So, yeah, good on you. I mean, I know you that you won't let that discourage you from seeing future one night events. I mean, for Mm -hmm. every shithole like this, you'll find a hidden treasure. Mm hmm. I don't know. I'm still tried. Oh, go ahead. I tried to wiki this like uh, uh, the other day I saw an ad for it show up on Facebook and I, they don't even have a Wikipedia page up for it. That's how I knew this was not going to be a good movie. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was a dude. I was hoping it was going to be like one of those like like a gem. You know what I mean? Like because like I, I'm, I'm that guy that like when something comes out and if I missed it in the theater, I'm always kind of like, damn, I wish I would have saw that in the theater. I'm that guy. It like it eats away at me. And this is one of those where it's like, fuck, I I saw that in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm that fucking guy like shit but anyway guys let's talk about genlock did everybody get a chance to see at least the first episode of genlock mm-hmm. yes was the second episode up it is up it, it, you ah. just have to you have to subscribe to either rooster teeth or there's another way to watch it which i'll go over here in a moment but oh, yeah okay. genlock is an animated web series uh created by gray haddock for Rooster Teeth, it is set in on, on a dystopian future Earth in which cultural divisions are solved through fighting in giant mecha robot armor and follows a diverse team of young pilots. It takes place 50 years in the future when an oppressive authoritarian force threatens to conquer the world. A daring team is recruited to pilot a new form of weaponized neuroscience that powers devastating mecha, but they must be willing to sacrifice everything to save the world. Uh, this it's it's from Rooster Teeth Productions from Rooster Teeth Animation, and um, it stars this this voice cast is just incredible. I'm going to go over like the big actors in this one, but there's a lot of established voice actors in this series, including Gray Haddock himself. But Michael B. Jordan, Michael fucking B. Jordan. Here's the thing: they got Michael B. Jordan to do this because like they like Gray had seen like online like. Michael B. Jordan's a big fan of anime. So, like, he reached out to Michael B. Jordan's, you know, representatives and just threw it out there. Hey, I know you're, like, into anime. Would you be interested in being in an anime? Trying to be, like, the the first to pop his, you know, fucking anime cherry. Like, and Michael B. Jordan did it. And Gray was just, like, thrilled. Couldn't believe that he signed on to do this after Michael B. Jordan, like, read the script. He was just thrilled that he was able to get him onto this project. And it was kind of like... 
uh, one of those bucket list things for Michael B. Jordan and also kind of like a big thing for Gray to get him to sign on to this. So I, I thought that that was a really cool story. But Michael B. Jordan stars as Julian Chase. He's a pilot in the Vanguard. And um, Gray Haddock describes him as an all-American hero, one who leads his crew of equally heroic pilots and scientists through world-saving adventures against a chaotic enemy. Uh, Dakota Fanning stars in this one as Miranda Worth. She's a mecha pilot and a love interest for Chase. Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones is Cammie McLeod, a Scottish hacker and the youngest recruit of the Genlock program at the age of 17. And David fucking Tennant, who's going to be at C2E2 this year, Jake. Um, David Tennant as Dr. Rufus Weller. So the first episode is free to watch on Rooster Teeth, but they did drop two episodes. I think they it was smart of them to drop two episodes because like if you really love that first episode, you're definitely going to want to see the second one. Um, I'm just going to start off and say that I, for one, I know that this animation is like for some people, they're going to look at this and, and, and it's just different than what we've seen. We haven't seen a lot of animation like this on TV. I think it's amazing, and I love the way that the vehicles look and move. I love the way that people move in the action sequences. I, the voice acting, of course, is top-notch. The action is incredible. I love the way the mechs move. Um, the reveal at the end of the first episode was amazing and kind of like the hook for me to get me to watch the second episode. I thought that the nanotech that they fight is really cool. Um, I think maybe my biggest problem here was the lack of kind of like a main antagonist in the series. Like we don't have like that, like, you know, like inspector gadget has Dr. Claw, you know what I mean? You know, like the fantastic four has Dr. Doom. Like we don't have that main antagonist yet. We just know like it's, you know, the Vanguard versus the union. And we don't know a bunch about the union yet, but God damn it. I fucking loved these first two episodes. I've watched both of them twice now I got to give it a Tupperware. I, this is made for me. Like, if you don't like mechs, you might not like this. But I love good mechs. Like, you know, good, good animated mech shows. And I thought that this is a great one. And I thought the characters were great. I'm falling in love with the characters. And I want to know more about the team. We've barely been introduced to this team of Genlock. Um, the Genlock program, I thought, itself was just pretty awesome. Basically, like, one in a million people have like this ability to where they can um your brain is compatible and that you can be linked directly into a mech warrior so you have these people that kind of like their brains can be linked to a mech warrior and i think that that's a cool a very cool kind of concept so i fucking loved it i think it's a tupperware i want to get your thoughts um aaron what did you think about genlock at first, I did not like the animation. Uh, it's very kind of stiff when they're not in action. Um, and I didn't understand the guy's blue glowing side part. <laughs> like, I didn't understand <laughs> how it worked. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know why that stuck with me. But, you know, because that first scene is just so pedestrian. It's just people at dinner or whatever. But then we got into the the action, and I was pretty much all in i really liked the um the designs of the airplanes like how they moved and how they worked was really cool i don't know you know i didn't know they were going to be so maneuverable which was really really cool the way that like uh they were getting around and like hiding against fucking buildings and whatever that was really cool and then 
like the ground unit mechs. I was like, all right, they're cool, but they're like all the same, you know, whatever. And then those goddamn actual like Gundam esque mechs came yeah. in, and I was all in. Like, I didn't watch the second episode because I had to watch some other stuff we're going to talk about, so I had to like kind of spread my time out. Yeah, but uh, I, I definitely want to, and I, I really, uh, I actually enjoyed it, and I really liked the change in design of the main female character uh like in the you know four years later or whatever yeah i don't need to know what happened to, to give her her scars you can just tell she's been fucking out there doing the thing you know yeah they, they, they basically been saying like they're not like defeating the union they're basically just a shield like they're doing the best that they can to stop the union they're just a shield yeah, yeah, she definitely says that. Uh, like in the, I forget what part it was, but someone says something, and she's like, "We're basically just like holding back the yeah. dam." Yeah, and then Doctor Weller shows up uh, with what's her name, Madrina, and Madrina says, "Like, yeah, you need a sword. Now you need a sword." And that's the Genlock program, dude. When yeah. fucking when Michael B. Jordan was in the fucking like when his mind was like linked in the mech, and that one mech was like getting fucked up, and Michael B. Jordan like leapfrogged that motherfucker, and then just like started beating the shit out of the Union's tech. I was just like, this is incredible. I, lo- I liked that, and yeah. I loved when that second mech came in and like did that jump and slide. Yes. Oh, it's a yeah. badass. Uh, Tyler, what'd you think about Genlock? Uh this honestly took me a little bit to get into because of the animation. I don't think it looks very good with the people, but halfway through that action scene, I, I kind of fell in love with it. Um, it really shines during the action. And uh, I wish you knew more about the union and all that. Um, maybe you do. Cause you've watched both episodes. Um, but I, I, I'm not a big fan of, like mech series usually, but this actually makes me want to check out more. Um, Cause there's like this mystery of what happened with Michael B. Jordan's character and stuff. And that, that really intrigued me. Um, so I'm going to, I'm actually going to give this a high taste it just because uh, I, I wish they would have just explained more about who these people are. There wasn't a whole bunch of character stuff. Um, there was a lot of action which I, I really liked, but I, I just wish there was more character stuff. Yeah, I think you get a little bit more character stuff in the second episode. I think that first episode was kind of like to showcase the action to kind of like give you an idea of like what you're in for. Because like they've been working on this show for quite a long time. And you, this is high production, in my opinion. Um, I was really impressed with the voice cast once yeah. I realized who it was because yeah. I didn't look it up before. Yeah. Jake, I recognized some of the voices. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely love this. Um, this this was an absolute Tupperware for me, and I I kind of thought they gave us just enough as far as just dissecting the first episode. I thought it was kind of perfect. Like I thought the dinner scene gave us just enough about these characters to make them just likable enough to make the action just super white knuckle exciting. And kind of in a pilot, you just don't really know, especially with this big voice cast. It's like, is Michael B. Jordan only going to be around for one episode? You know, are these characters even going to make it past this? So I really got sucked into the fiction and the narrative and was just really drawn into it and very engrossed by this. Um, That first action sequence with the uh, airplanes running away from the missiles, the the mech jets with kind of the drone technology. Yeah. infused into them that was just so amazing jake it was better than the entirety of the independence day sequel in my opinion oh yeah dude yeah. like i agree <laughs> yeah yeah i agree i i and i kind of 
I'm not the biggest mech guy, so I, I was kind of like, eh, yeah. you know, I'll give this a shot. And I got to say, within like 10 minutes, I was shocked at how much I was enjoying this. Almost like Spielberg War of the Worlds-esque white-knuckle action to me. I thought this was fantastic. And oof, the I agree that the second episode has a lot of stuff going for it, too. But I thought the first episode was a really well-crafted pilot. Yeah. God damn it. I It's one of those things where, man, I was... I was uh, kind of like when I first started watching this, I was like, yeah, I, the animation is different. And like the people look different than people that I've seen animated and other stuff. But once it got to the action, I was just like, OK. And then like and then and then the more I got used to it and like their movements and stuff like that, I just thought it was incredible. I like even like at the beginning, like when uh, when the when the daughter was doing like the virtual concert, I thought that, that was awesome. Yeah, I, lo- I love that stuff, too. I love that they kind of showed you that within the game. She had such a great voice. But the second you were hearing her <laughs> singing outside the game, she sounded like absolute garbage. I was dying laughing at that, dude. Yeah, that was I, I thought there was just a lot of fun little universe building nods like. This was not a show that you could watch while playing on your cell phone. I, there was just so much going on, just little like trinkets behind the scenes just while stuff was happening, just kind of universe, small, subtle universe uh, stuff going on here the, that I thought was just really brilliant. I, I think this is to call this a mech show is almost a disservice. I, I thought this show had a lot of stuff going on and the mechs was just the icing on top. The scene where um, you've got the union and they are attacking the streets of new york new york city and they're showing up in like these spider like gigantic spider mechs and the scene where like the mother is like trying to hand off her baby to like these you know guys that are flying away and like evacuating the city and she's trying to hand off her baby to keep you know to keep her baby safe I was just like, yeah, oh that, my. that was super powerful, super powerful. But also, like, you know, during that scene, like, you know, the union is going around and like just shooting people in the street and shit. And then like there's that one family and then the guy throws up a badge and he's got like the union logo on there. And oh, that was super crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, there's people that are like kind of like hidden that are like right. spies or something. Did his wife look shocked? Yeah, yeah, that was that yes. was a crazy scene. Yeah, and we we also haven't mentioned another incredible thing about this show is I thought the score was really on point. Yeah, uh, super percussion heavy and really drove the action. I, I think if you watch these scenes without that score, it's not nearly as good. I, I was really impressed with um, a Rooster Teeth animation score here. Yeah, it, this I I Tupperware the fuck. Aaron, what'd you rate this? Um, I'm gonna give it a high tasted. And I wanted to real quick say uh, during that scene where the you know they're having the dinner and the the sister and the mom are talking or whatever, I enjoyed the subtle like kind of world building part where right after he leaves they get up and stop eating dinner together. Like the sister literally just walks over to the living room and the mom starts watching TV. Like they're clearly trying to show him like uh, or put out a different image than what's really happening. I kind of thought that was a really like cool way to show that without having to hit us over the head with it you know yeah and you could yeah, definitely the act, the act was over yeah. yeah you could feel like this was 50 years in the future too with like th- there was like that robotic arm assisting the mother while she's cooking and stuff just like little things like that and like the eye implants where she's like doing like the virtual reality and shit like that i don't know there's just like little things like 
like what the future home will be like you know and i just thought it was really cool i I I agree it was very smart like that i I was never bored with just even the scenery what was that tyler all the world tech was really cool yeah interesting and i want to see more of that yeah yeah this show's dope dude i'm hooked i'm fucking hooked i think it's going to be an eight episode season um you can watch this on rooster teeth uh the first episode you can watch it at roosterteeth.com for free or you can just get the app um and you can also just do the vrv app so if you want to do vrv premium which is free for the first 30 days it's going to come with rooster teeth uh you get all of rooster teeth with the vrv premium uh, you get all of Crunchyroll for all your anime. You get Shudder for your horror. So you get shows like Dead Wax and like the the you know the recently canceled Sci-Fi uh, Channel uh, Sci-Fi um, Channel Zero show is all on there. I think like the first th- what is it three four seasons that they had of that. The new the upcoming Creep Show series is going to be coming to Shudder, and that's on VRV. And that's that show is going to be directed by uh, Greg Nicotero, Jake. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. That, that show sounds really cool. Uh, you get Geek and Sundry. You get Nerdist. You get uh, Boomerang for your classic cartoons. You get Nick Splat. You get VRV, uh, the VRV exclusive stuff like Last Man. And then, Jake, you were telling me you get High Dive on there, which is like another anime channel. Yeah, I think they actually you know, went and sought out another channel because they just lost the Funimation rights. And it, it's pretty nice. I'm almost glad that they got something different. It just gives you more options for yeah. more anime. Yeah, I think it's a bargain for fucking nine ninety nine a month. It's like a $48 value for 10 bucks a month, and you get all those channels. Yeah, right. I agree. If you actually go to the VRV, we're like hawking the VRV now. But yeah. like, you can get this stuff a la carte like each individually. And by the time you're getting like two of them, you might as well just be paying the fucking nine ninety nine. Yeah, I fucking I watched Last Man on VRV. It's a VRV exclusive, and it's fucking incredible. It's an awesome anime, and you can only watch it on VRV. So, guys, let's talk. What well, hey, what do you got to say, huh? I was gonna say the the Gen Lock. I'm just just one yeah. more time. I really kind of want to oversell this show. Um. Because I, I really did not expect to like this as much. Dude, as I you did, are so not really a me- you're not a mech guy. I know that. I knew going into this review, I was like, Jake's Mike, Jake's going to taste this one. I'm saying, I'm thinking to myself, Jake's going to taste this. You're going to give it a taste it, and like I'm, I'm blown the fuck away that you're top range Genlock. Yeah, that's kind of why I want to double down to our listeners that you should check this out. Like, don't go. Uh, I don't like. I'm not a mech guy. I don't like. I don't like the Voltron. I don't like the Cybertech. Blah 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 blah. You know. This isn't my thing. I, if you're that person, watch this anyway. David Tennant. If you're a fan of David Tennant, you're going to love David Tennant's character in this, dude. He fucking cracked me up. He's got a gun to his fucking head in that elevator. <laughs> and he, and he, that, the, what he says as that elevator shut about how she was right about the next day, I started dying laughing, dude. Yeah, that's hilarious. the character design on, on Tenet's character obviously came after they hired Tenet. Right. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I fucking Let love it. Let me ask you, do we ever, do you get any of the robot with that doctor? Because it's like an interesting. Oh, design. Caliban? It's like, yeah, because see, we don't, in episode one, you don't really, you just see it. And I thought it was like, it looks like it's like pieced together. And I, I kind of wanted to see what it was all about. Caliban basically has not talked yet. I was just like, what? Like, what? And that's his robot. We haven't heard Caliban talk yet, to my knowledge, but I was just thinking, like, it was just like an assistant, right, Jake? 
Yeah, yeah. I they haven't even in the second episode we don't explore that much anymore. I think it is just an, an assistant, like a futuristic lab assistant. I was thinking like, is this gonna be like L three in like Rogue One? But like there's no personality to the robot yet at all. Oh, when the fucking union when they hacked into Vanguard's robot within like ten seconds and had Vanguard's robot oh, yeah. fighting against them, I was like, that is dope. Well, and it was so cool how quick they actually responded to that. Like, they yeah. were ready. They, like, rolled in and just basically fucking disarmed it really good. And one of them had it in, like, a chokehold, which was pretty funny. Maisie Williams' character has, like, that little pet robot on her shoulder. Like, what's the deal with that? Yeah. I like – oh, sorry. I was going to say, the show is very smart like that. Like, it does not waste time stopping for exposition. Yeah. It's just kind of like you get on board and you figure out, you, you follow this shit. And I really appreciate that. It's very smart in that way. Yeah. Hey, let's move on to Polar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Aaron, I'm glad to have you on this episode because you are a huge Mads Mickelson fanboy. Oh, yeah. Big fan. I loved Hannibal. Like, it's one of my favorite TV shows ever. Uh, and I was really glad to see Mads getting some some love and and a, a fun role like this. Even though I mean he's kind of stoic, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get into it. I was really glad to see him get a, a movie like this though. Polar is a film adaptation of the action noir comic series of the same name about the world's top assassin Duncan Vizsla who is settling into retirement when his former employee marks him as a liability to the firm against his will. He finds himself back in the game going head to head with an army of younger killers. Polar is directed by Jonas Ackerland and based on a spec script written by Jason Rothwell. Uh, director Jonas Ackerland is best known for directing music videos, which are often mock forms of movie trailers and short films. His video for Madonna's song Ray of Light won a Grammy Award for Best Music Video Short Film, uh, Short Form, and a record seven awards at 1998's MTV Video Music Awards, including the Video of the Year. Uh, this film, it's a Netflix original, stars uh, Mads Mikkelsen from Hannibal and Doctor Strange, Vanessa Hudgens, Catherine Winnick, and Matt Lucas. Um, you know what? I'm not going to start off with my thoughts on this one. I'm actually going to start with Aaron. I want to know what you thought of Polar. All right. So going in, you know, obviously it starts out, you know, pretty chill. Uh, and I was all in cause Mads with a mustache and like salt and pepper hair was pretty cool. And then we got these like fake kill bill slash like, uh, you know what was that movie someone posted on the leftover army fuck uh, smoke and aces like we get this secondary team of assassins and i fucking hated them i every time they were on screen i was like annoyed and it felt like two movies for a little bit there like god damn it you are your assessment of this is like dead fucking on (laughs) dead fucking on aaron my god you are you're preaching to the choir dude Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, I figured as much. I just everything I saw, like everything I've seen of people not liking it, are hating these people. Yeah. But I will say it made them, and I don't want to spoil too too much, but it made it fun to kind of watch what happens to them a little later. You know, like kind of how their story shakes out. But for a minute there, I was like, 
it's like they edited two separate movies and mashed them together. Um, but overall, I, I'm going to give this like a high tasted. I actually really enjoyed uh, like the second and third act of this movie quite a bit. Okay, um, Tyler, what did you think of Polar? Yeah, I was going to say the tone switches in this movie are all over the place <laughs> for a long time, and it took it took me a long time to get into the movie. Um, but once you get used to those tone switches, it's a lot of fun, man. Um, I, I felt a little bit of like Crank and Sin City in it at times. I, um, I definitely see Crank, yeah. Sin City, I think, was just from the girl wearing the red jacket. I, I don't know. Um, I thought Vanessa Hudgens and Mads Mikkelsen were great. Um, I did not like the guy that played Bloot or whatever his name is. Oh, yeah, I hated him too, by the I way. I thought he was terrible. Terrible. Um, a weird little thing I noticed is the action scenes don't have any music, which I thought was a strange choice, but it was interesting. Um, but, yeah, by the the... The way the end goes, I eventually, you know, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a high taste it. I'll go next here. Um, I, I, you know, I, uh, I, there's parts of this movie I absolutely love. I think Mads is great in this movie. I think he's fantastic. I do think the biggest problem is like the, the A-team is what they called them. Like the, the younger killers that go after him in this, um, I think they're the biggest problem. I think they're terrible. I was not a fan of them at all. And um, and then also, like, I didn't like the fact that this movie was, and you guys might have not, you might have not noticed this, but this movie is very aware of its competition. And I'm talking about John Wick. Like, this movie goes out of its way to address John Wick. To the point at the beginning of the fucking movie, he buys a dog, but no, <laughs> he's not John Wick because he's tormented by his dreams in his past and he wakes up in the middle of the night and accidentally shoots the dog. This ain't no John Wick. Like, John Wick, like, tried to protect the dog. This guy accidentally shoots and kills his own fucking dog. And I thought that that was fucking a dumb scene and worthless, and I tossed the fuck out of that scene. That was just stupid. Like real you- quick, can I just say, uh, I, at my house, my girlfriend and I tried to watch John Wick, and she's an animal lover. And once, obviously, the dog died in the beginning, she was like bawling and made me stop. So he gets the dog right, and she's watching with me, and she goes, "Dog's not gonna die, right?" I'm like, no, this isn't John Wick. And then literally two seconds later, I'm like, I take it all back. No shit. To, uh, yeah. He fucking kills his own fucking dog. And it's like basically the movie saying like, oh, this ain't no fucking John Wick. Our killer is so badass. He kills his own dog. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck and he doesn't you. even care. And he, yeah, he just fucking like buries the dog and then like burns the book that he just bought about how to take care of his dog. Later on, he buys a fish and he's got a book called <laughs> – <laughs> how to how to best take care of your fish like fuck off um but i did love um i thought there was some cool t- like uh weaponry in this i love the gauntlet gun that he had at the end of the mo- at the end of the movie oh yeah i thought that that gauntlet gun was just incredible i thought the soundtrack um at the beginning and at the end of the movie and they used they kind of like used it throughout was pretty cool i really enjoyed that I'm going to give this one a taste it. I, there's parts I absolutely loved 
And then, you know, I don't know. Then there's some pacing issues. And, and like you said, tonally, it has its problems. I'll give it a taste. It it definitely sets up for a sequel. Um, I did think the ending was pretty cool. And, um, you know, very kind of like a, a comic book kind of ending there. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I thought Mads put on a pretty damn good performance here. But overall, like, I will watch a John Wick movie 10 times over polar, but yeah, um, it's okay. Jake, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I mostly hated this. Um, I'm going to give it a low taste it mads and an exciting third act kind of keep it from being a toss it. Um, I really hated the direction of this movie. Um, I didn't realize it was filmed by a music video director, but that makes a lot of sense. It felt like a, poor man's natural born killers a lot of times <laughs> in the way it was shot i love it yeah you're right i love it um i i hate fucking foreshadowing and flashbacks when they when they're shot really dumb and man this movie did them so gratuitously and they went on for so long mm. and it was just like it was some of the dumbest shit i ever seen but yeah the the third act was fun it was fun seeing all these characters that i hated dying in gratuitously violent ways and the gunplay in the in the third act was a lot of fun and saved the yeah. movie from being an absolute dumpster fire. But I, I wouldn't recommend this movie to anybody. It's cheeky in all the wrong ways. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> I love that, Jake. <laughs> so brutally honest. I fucking love it. That's good shit, man. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I can't even really argue it. Uh, and I wouldn't. You know, I, I agree with a lot of what's bad about this movie. I just really like Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> I know I really you liked do. His story with uh, Vanessa Hudgens quite a bit. I thought the twist was good, but I kind of hated everyone else other than the one lady who kept saying "speak" and was in a new outfit every time we saw her. <laughs> like when you when you basically like kind of address your competition in the fucking movie, that's fucked up, isn't it, Jake? Yeah, it, it, it was fucked up. It, it was hard not to notice the dog stuff. It, it really, really stupid. Oh, man. Um, yeah, the other thing that I noticed about this movie is that the end credits scroll from the top downward. Oh, that's interesting. I did not. I could not hit the menu button. <laughs> <in this movie. laughs> yeah, I did not watch the credits. Neither did I. <laughs> they could have scrolled diagonally. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will agree with you that, uh, here, Jake. It, it, it's really interesting to see how music video directors transition to like filmmaking. It's a strange thing because you would think it's you wouldn't think it would have such an impact, but like they all uh, like Mick G used to do uh, music. Yeah, videos. I was going to say for every David Fincher, there's a Mick G. And I mean, a Michelle Gondry, there's like the, you know, there's a couple of really good ones. And then there's like, you know, a couple of ones are like, I get it. I, I see why no one gave you that shot. <laughs> yes. Four minutes is about as long as you can go before you lose <laughs> all ability to tell coherent stories. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, guys. Check it. Check it out. It's on Netflix. I mean, just check it out. Give it, you know, give it the give it a good hour or whatever. And if you want to continue with it, continue with it. But. Yeah, it, Polar's okay. I will never probably revisit this one. And when the sequel comes out, I don't, unless I hear like, you know, just like amazing things about this, I probably am not like chomping at the bit to find out like the further adventures of this dog killer. 
So. Yeah, this movie was definitely too long. It, it clocked <laughs> yeah. like exactly two hours. Two hours and nine minutes. Two hours and nine minutes, Jake. If there were 30 minutes you could cut out of this movie and you never would have known they were cut out. Exactly. Everything yes. with Blute. Get him out of here. Everything with Blute and the... Well, I mean, just recast Blute and make him yeah. less, like, cartoonish. Oh, God, um, yeah. Because the idea of why he was doing it is cool for a minute. Ooh. Uh, I want to bring up one more thing. Um, it's cool for a minute, but then you're like, wouldn't every one of them realize, like, oh, everybody keeps dying when they turn 50? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd be like, uh, I think I'm going to get out of here. Real quick, how shocked were all of you when Richard Dreyfus was in this shit? Oh my god, that was so weird. <laughs> that was so was weird. No, is that you just know someone like the director knew the guy or something? It's probably because he was filming that Chevy Chase movie for Netflix too. They probably were like, "Hey man, can we tap you for this other thing?" Yeah, put a little gravitas there, and he was like, "Yeah, I will do literally one day of filming." <laughs> can you? Can you, you know Netflix does do that kind of synergy. I, I've known people that have. Been, and they force one character into another show just because of later on commitments with other shows coming on. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Can you head over to Lot B and throw on this fucking Hawaiian shirt and we can <laughs> knock out this one scene? <laughs> it's like you get one hour. It has to be able to be shot in literally one hour of my time. Netflix is like a dungeon for actors. Like they have to. <laughs> they're stuck there until like they do these certain things. It's it's like the escape room of streaming services. <laughs> um, hey guys, I went today. I, I, real quick, I want to hear what like you guys bring to good pop, bad pop. But real quick, I watched the kid who would be king today in the theaters. Uh, old school magic meets the modern world in this epic adventure. Alex thinks he's just another nobody until he stumbles upon the mythical sword in the stone, Excalibur. Now he must unite his friends and enemies into a band of knights and together with the legendary wizard Merlin uh, take on the wicked enchantress Morgana. With the future at stake, Alex must become the great leader he never dreamed he could be. Uh, this is written and directed by Joe Cornish, and uh, I'm I, I kind of I'm a fan of Joe Cornish. He's a writer on some really you know good movies. He did uh, Hot Fuzz, uh, Attack the Block with John Boyega, uh, The Adventures of Tintin, which he worked on uh, with uh, Peter Jackson. He's also wrote Ant Man, so I, I like Joe Cornish. Um, this one stars uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Morgana. I'm I'm a big Rebecca Ferguson fan. I loved her in Mission Impossible, the last two Mission Impossible films. Uh, we've got Tom Taylor as Lance. We've got Patrick Stewart as uh, Merlin. Um, and uh, I... Uh I really enjoyed this movie. I, I, I thought I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna give my rating. It was a high taste. It. This is a fun kids movie. I, they don't shy away. I, what I really liked about this is they they really don't shy away from making like Morgana a scary character. They don't try to like tone her down. She looks downright fucking creepy in this movie. Um, they also make like there's these. Uh, uh, skeleton riders that kind of like chase them and, and, and shit as, as they're, uh, you know, battling these skeleton riders who have like, you know, fire for eyes and stuff like that, man. They, they look pretty intimidating and pretty scary. The kids in this one are really fun. And of course this has got Patrick Stewart in it. I mean, Patrick Stewart shows up, you know, here and there, but most of the time he plays a young wizard. Uh, this young wizard plays the character of Merlin and this young this young actor 
does such a great job. He's really funny as Merlin. And I, I enjoyed that. But these kids are like Jake. Remember earlier? I what was that? The Nutcracker movie that I went and saw, and the kids were just fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah. You got to have kids with charisma. It's got to be more Spy Kids, yes. less Nutcracker. This is these kids are really fun, man. They were really fun, and I felt like they had some like you know like that like Harry Potter, like what I liked from those kids in Harry Potter, like the way that they kind of like got along and sometimes they didn't get along and but they had fun banter between them and but they also you know joe joe cornish wrote a really good story here that kind of like was a modern day king arthur but with children and you know some of the shit's unbelievable at the end like you know it's a kid army and like the kid (laughs) army's fighting like you know skeleton riders and morgana and i was thinking to myself i was kind of laughing in the theaters like at the end of this battle it'd be kind of hilarious if a bunch of dead kids are laying around (laughs) but because <laughs> I was like, there's, there's no way they're going to fucking kill a bunch of kids in this fucking movie. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. I am going to get a high taste. And I would recommend parents to go uh, parents to take their kids to go see this one. It was a it was a lot of fun. I, I really did enjoy it. But um, yeah, the mountains of dead kids, they're saving that for the sequel. <laughs> I hope so. I was uh, I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, because like this battle, like they make it out. They make it out like it's going to be fucking like the Battle of Helm's Deep. You know what I mean? You know, it's you got the fucking orcs going up against like you know, you know the the humans and all this shit and the elves and stuff. And it's like, fuck, man, this might be like this is going to be a huge fucking battle. I was like, uh, and like they have the battle instead of like having it at like like this stronghold, you know, like this castle and shit. They have it at the fucking the school that they go to. So like you know, they, like that's their castle is this school. And I was thinking like like <laughs> a bunch of dead kids laying around. <laughs> I don't know. I got a kick out of thinking about dead kids, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that movie. I would watch that movie. Yeah, I would yeah. watch like a one-hour movie where it's like this whole build-up, and they're like training with their dumb swords in the fucking you know uh, courtyard of school, and then yeah. skeletal warriors from fucking hell come and cut all their heads off, and it's just a pile of children's headless bodies, and then a separate pile of their heads. Dude, and that would be just like a kid, like you know, like. He gets like cut in his abdomen and he's holding his intestines and screaming like that's like the <laughs> <laughs> that's like the end of this movie. Like I want to see, you know what I mean? Like that's crazy. Like I would have been blown away had they actually gone that far. Like I would have been like, oh my god, that is insane. But over, I mean, as far as kids' movies go, Jake, this is a good one. I think to take the kids to, man, I, I give it a high taste. Yeah. It. You giving it a high taste, it makes me definitely want to check it out when it's available on, like, one of the streaming services. Yeah. What if this What if this was a movie about, like, survivor's guilt, and it was just the main kid who survives? He saves the day, but literally, like, 50 of his friends die, and he just has to live the rest of his life knowing he's the one who brought them to their deaths. Like a very dark drama. It's just a kid living with PTSD. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that too. Have PTSD. So, like you're saying, like at the end of this movie, he's like begging the lady in the lake to like drown him. Yeah, just hold on to me and don't let go, even if I ask you to. Right. It's Jacob's ladder with kids. (laughs) It's just him reliving it. The last, you know, moment of his. He's committing suicide. I like it. I'm I'm writing it. Hey, Tyler, what do you got for good pop, bad pop? Uh, I just have one thing. Um, I watched. 
Fire on Netflix. I did as well. I did. Yeah. yeah me too. I me watched. Too. I watched Fire on Netflix, and I also watched its uh, companion on Hulu. Uh, what was it? Fire Fraud. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what like compare the two. I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, tell uh, me about your experience with Fire, and tell everybody kind of like what it's about. Okay, so Fire is about uh, this this guy Billy McFarlane who created a music festival that sounded like it was going to be great in the Caribbean with Ja Rule. And it was basically to promote this app where you could hire entertainers for parties and stuff if you were rich. Um, and then it turns out the whole thing was a fraud and there was, it was basically like a war zone down there when people arrived. Um, this was, they had a lot of behind the scenes footage for this one that um, was super interesting just watching like they should have been planning and they were just down there partying the whole time um, this one it made me feel really bad for the people that actually worked on the app and cared about the app because that app is never going anywhere now it's dead and it's all this scam artist's fault um, I, I don't know I thought this was super interesting and I, I Tupperware this yeah Jake what'd you think Oh, um, I absolutely loved this. Um, I ended up watching the Hulu one late this afternoon as well, too. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of fascinating to actually see both of these within a short period of time. Mm. Um, I guess the Netflix one, I thought they're so different, but yet the same. And it's almost like you need to watch both of them to kind of you do. put all the pieces together. Yeah. Which yeah. is very strange. Well, the thing but is, do- with the, real quick, with the, with the the Netflix one was actually produced by the fuck jerry guys which they're a focal point in the hulu one and so like yeah in the hulu documentary which is called fire fraud like that one they kind of like allude to like these fuck jerry guys kind of like knowing about like some of the like shady shit that was going on here the whole time but of course in the netflix one that's actually being produced by the fuck jerry guys like they don't put any heat on themselves. It's all on, you know, this Billy guy. Yeah, it, it is weird. It's like both of them have their own agenda in that way. Because I thought, on the other hand, like the Hulu one felt very much more catered to, to Billy. Like it almost felt like it was a way for Billy to make more money yet again, right? He well, yeah. probably got paid for all these interviews. He and did. He was a glacier the whole time. He kind of gave nothing. Yeah, but I so, I also thought that it was, you know, I don't think that they were trying to, like, I, I honestly, I think they hit him with some pretty uh, hard questions. Towards the end of that interview, he just fucking said, I'm taking a 10-minute break. And it doesn't look like he he came back. It looks like he left. Yeah, yeah. He looked he looked really terrible. Like, he didn't, nor, he didn't really say anything too fascinating or that added to the story much. And then, yeah, he looked, he had a very bad look at the end when they kind yeah. of presented him with proof that they knew he was being very fictitious and the stuff that he was telling them. So basically um, like I, it's this whole, uh, it's this whole event where you've got like, you know, Ja Rule, the rapper Ja Rule and Billy, uh, what's his name? Billy McFarlane, Billy McFarlane. McFarlane. Yeah. yeah. Um, they kind of set up this whole, you know, festival, which is going to be like, you know, it's going to take over like, you know, Coachella. It's going to be this music festival where all these like, you know, amazing artists are going to show up and and play in the Caribbean for five days. It's just going to be an amazing experience. You could purchase a, a villa. You could purchase a tent. You could purchase, you know, and just go out there and party and drink and have a great time. 
And uh, they are something that should probably be set up for about a year and a half where, like, they need to build, like, you know, they, they, need, they need to put a lot of planning into this. Like, they're doing this in, like, six to eight weeks. So, like, when people start... They didn't sh- even have a location. Didn't even have a location. <laughs> yeah, they, they got kicked out. They got kicked off of, like, the, the island that they were originally going to be on, which was going to be Pablo Escobar's, you know, uh, island at one time. They got kicked they off got- of that. They got kicked because they kept promoting it as his island, exactly. too, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Exactly. It was in the contract that they couldn't, but they kept doing it. So, like, they didn't even, like, they lost their caterer, like, a week before. They had to find a new caterer to cater all the food. They were supposed to, like, cater for, like, it was supposed to be, like, a $6 million contract. And then it got knocked down to, like, a million-dollar contract. Dude, in the Netflix documentary where that one dude was talking about how, like, they didn't have water, for people oh my god and how like he yeah billy billy calls him and says hey you're gonna have to take one for the team and he's like i've been taking one for the team this entire time what are you talking about well you know we don't have the money to bring you know to like like six hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was going to take to like get the water there he had to like take one for the team and suck this guy's dick yeah, the, the customs guy to get him to release the water. Yeah. Ugh. That was crazy. So you've got a guy, you've got this guy who is, he's, he's, he's gay. And like, that's why Billy called him because like, oh, you're gay and we're going to have you go suck this guy's dick. But like, that's like, you know, it, that's not a professional, it's like, it, that's not a professional thing to ask anyone to do. It doesn't matter like what they're you know what their what their sexuality is like you don't do that to somebody like like this guy's literally going into this meeting with this guy thinking like i'm gonna have to suck his dick so everybody else gets paid on this like so everybody can keep their jobs like i'm gonna have to be like the hero and suck this guy's dick i was like i was blown away by that like how it could get that fucking far and how you could put the fear in people so much that this guy thinks that he's going to go to this meeting and have to suck a guy's dick so everybody else can like survive. Well, and the guy that kept telling them, "Hey, we don't have enough room for this," they just fired him instead of listening to him. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was crazy. I both were very fascinating. I thought the Netflix one was the better of the two, but I thought the Hulu one also had some very interesting stuff. Too. I think the Netflix the, one yeah. was a tu- the Netflix one was a Tupperware for you. Yeah, and then the Hulu one was like a taste did, but I thought the Hulu one did a really had a really interesting job of showing like the people at the festival yeah. better than the Netflix one did. I think the yeah, I think it had a better job of showing the people at the festival. I think the Netflix one showed you the people that actually worked on the festival better and their side of the story about how they didn't get paid for like a month and a half oh. work a wor- uh, month and a half uh, worth of work. And then, but I think the Hulu documentary also showed you more of Billy McFarland and how he got to the place where he was actually able to even like convince people to set up this whole festival. Like it showed you his past. Like this kid was always scamming, man. He's a fucking compulsive liar. He was always scamming. And it kind of showed you like his rise to fame and like his rise to even put himself in a place to where he was able to like even get people to trust that he could even put on this festival. Yeah. So crazy. I thought um, Hulu was right on the money when they compared it to um, 
Tom's Entertainment 720 kind of business. Like it almost <laughs> seemed like a real life version of that with the the fucking magnesis card that he just cut out of that fucking metal. And yeah. Stuff. Like that seemed like an, a Saturday Night, Night Live like comedy sketch. But people still bought into that shit. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. He was he he had a knack for taking money from fucking rich millennials and he went to town with it and just couldn't stop himself. It was fascinating that even after all the Fry Fest stuff, he still went right back into it, you know, selling Hamilton tickets and selling Super Bowl tickets. And that was crazy. Yeah. He was they were filming it too. Him committing even more fraud after he's been in prison or whatever. It was insane. Uh, I thought for as smart as this guy is, I cannot believe how much he let the cameras roll for a lot of that stuff. Like there is some footage where him and Ja Rule look so terrible. I was slapping my knees, laughing so hard at some of the footage. Oh they my god! Like uh, they're talking about how like uh, just like average guys are just like uh, seeing all these you know models together and like just like how average guys are gonna fall for this shit, you know? Yeah, they're just straight up saying it on camera, and then like Ja Rule's just like, ah, we got. We'll do whatever we want. We got pigs. We got money. Get get in that water with them pigs. Yeah. Do what we say. Well, it's they had the they they tricked all these influencers too on Twitter. Like these people that have like all these millions of followers to like tweet about Fire Festival, and so people thought like, oh, this is going to be the the next Woodstock. This is going to be the next Coachella. This is going to be the next Lollapalooza. This is going to be the next big thing, and. You know, it was they they sold people a bunch of lies and yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. It was a fucking crazy. I'd watch both documentaries. I would definitely. I think they both complement each other well. I feel like if you just watch the Netflix one, I think you do kind of do yourself a disservice because like at that point you're thinking like uh you know the fuck Jerry guys like don't put any focus on themselves at all. It's kind of like all <laughs> on Billy McFarland. And then when you watch like the Hulu one, you realize the guys from J- uh, fuck Jerry media are probably in on this as well. Oh yeah. They're just as complacent to for the way they sold it and everything. They, they were just as in the know. Yeah. Like the people I really felt sorry for were like the software engineers behind the app. Right. The people that really believed in the app. Yeah. That were building the app. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Those people. And then also the people on, in the Caribbean that didn't get oh, paid for like a month and a half worth of work. So Man, that, that teleconference where that he basically wasn't going to fire them so they wouldn't get, get their unemployment. Benefits from unemployment. What a fucking asshole. Oh my God. Yeah. So. Uh, and he made them spell it out for him and yes. then, like just played dumb and everything. Well, I yeah. don't know the ins and outs of unemployment. Fuck you, oh you gosh. piece of shit. Yeah. I agree. It's worth watching both. I think the Netflix one is the one you should watch first. I think it does a better job of telling the entire cohesive story. And I think the Hulu one serves as a really, really good appendix. I don't know. I watched it in the opposite order. Not because like, I, but, but see, I think like the Hulu one kind of like let me know from the get go that the fuck Jerry guys aren't off the hook. And it also kind of like let me understand more like, why this Billy guy is in the position to even put on this festival. No. Yeah, I agree with that. It's weird. Yeah. As far as, um, focus went, I thought it was a little bit scatterbrained for about like 20 minutes until it kind of like fell, fell into its groove. Like it didn't have as much of a straight narrative at first. Uh, let's see here. So yeah, yeah, great suggestion there. Uh, Tyler, I'm glad you got to watch that. So I would, uh, I would definitely, I'm going to kind of high taste both of them. Um, 
Yeah, both documentaries. I'm going to give a high taste. I thought that they were they were very good. Uh, I love when this was actually happening. I was all over oh it. like the meme culture to this was I, I'm, I was one of the people that was laughing my ass off. At the cheese sandwich picture. People. Yes. Oh Jake, God. it's it's like the live like the real life version of Survivor, which is like one of your shows, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the whole all the like the real life Lord of the Flies to, to to anyone that was willing to pay this much money to see Blink 182. I was slapping my knees. <laughs> in oh, my God. Well, yeah. to anyone who fell for the idea that Ja Rule was a hip-hop mogul, like, you're a fucking <laughs> idiot. And if you spent money to go anywhere he says is cool, you're dumb. Yeah, even after the documentaries, I still didn't feel too sorry for the people that actually went there. No, oh, God, no. I felt... I felt bad for the people that worked and didn't get paid. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, fuck the people that tried to go there. <laughs> yeah, assholes. Just douchebaggery all around. Um, did, <laughs> I watched uh, I watched some Kingdom on Netflix. This dropped on Friday. We actually talked about this trailer with uh, Steve from the uh, Space Cowboy podcast a few weeks ago, Jake. It's here now. It's uh, This show is set in Korea's medieval Joseon period. It tells the story of a prince who embarks upon a dangerous mission to investigate a mysterious plague spreading across the country. The truth threatens the kingdom when he discovers that it is an atrocious epidemic in the form of zombies. Um, I... Uh, it's based on a uh, – it's actually – this is the second uh, Korean original series from Netflix. Uh, the first is the show called Love Alarm that was uh, based on a um, romance webcomic series, which I have not seen. But this is the – you know, this is Netflix kind of like, you know, uh, bringing some international content onto their streaming platform, which I think is very cool. And uh, this series is actually adapted from the webcomic series The Kingdom of the Gods which was uh, authored by Ken Yoon Hee and drawn by Yang Kyung Il. And I did not like this at all. Um, <laughs> Ouch. I watched the first episode and I got about 10 minutes into the second episode and I kept thinking to myself, when is this going to get good? I am bored to fucking tears. I love zombies. I love Train to Busan. Train to Busan is a Korean zombie film set in modern day and it is I mean, right up there with like, you know, like uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, Dawn of the Dead. It is it is an incredible piece of like zombie fucking cinema. And I was like, I was so ready to see like a period piece set in this time and, in, in, you know, Korea's medieval times here with zombies. I was fucking bored to tears. And I was I was like I was after the first episode and then like. 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes into the second episode, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to wait for this to get good. And if it's going to get good, that's great. But it, if it's not, I'm not going to find, I'm not, I'm not going to find it. I can't, this is just boring the shit out of me. There's yeah, too much good TV out there. For too that much bullshit. good shit out there. You know, I, I did watch the first episode and, uh, I, <laughs> I kind of liked it, but there's really, it's really slow. Yeah, it's slow as fuck. I'm glad. That it, so what are you going to rate it, Aaron? I would go low taste. That's why I only say kind of like that. I haven't, you know, I only saw the first episode, but I was definitely looking at the clock and I was like, how is there still 45 minutes to go at 15 minutes in? I was like, oh boy. But dude, that first fucking episode was like, hi, I'm the prince. Um, where's my dad? 
Yeah. No, um, your dad's in. Uh, he's uh, he's over here. I want to go see my dad. No, you can't see your dad. Your dad's sick. I want to see the records of my dad. Oh, <laughs> it's dude. That first episode was so fucking boring. I dude, I tossed the shit out of that first episode, and by the time I get to the second episode, I don't even give a flying fuck. I'm out. I'm sorry. I don't know if this show gets any better, but I, like, I care about none of the characters. I don't care. I just don't care. Like this, this show, you got to give me, you've got to give me something. You got to, it's a little cock tease. It's a fucking, <laughs> this, this whole fucking series is a cock tease. Like I came here for fucking Korean medieval zombies and I'm literally not getting anything that I want out of this series so far. It is boring the shit out of me. I'm done. I don't care. I don't care if the fucking creator of this show calls me on the phone and tells me this is the best thing ever. Like, I'm, I can't. I can't give this another chance. I'm done. I'm out. I toss it. I'm sorry. I, uh, I liked the bodyguard of the prince. I liked him. I thought that he was, like, a fun character. And I actually kind of liked the, uh, like, really zealous uh, guy from the other clan who, like, held that dude's face down um, on the table. Uh, I thought he was a good actor. Like I, I, I believed him. Yeah. But I agree with you. The the kind of like the highlight of that first episode is just the part at the very end where like the, you realize the people are eating the the dude. Like I yeah. as they're walking up and like you hear someone like I haven't had meat in a long time. I was like, oh god, here we go. <laughs> yeah, we see we see a finger in the stew. I was just like, yeah. oh fuck, they're eating zombie meat. Ah, Soylent Green is made of people. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I I would definitely uh, say I can see where you're coming from. I was. Yeah, uh, dude, 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 the costuming. The co- yeah, okay, that's it. All right, here we go. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, th- th- here's the thing. Yeah, it looks like and I, I'm not. It's not like I'm a historical expert. Like I don't know what the fuck people were wearing during the. Those just, fucking hats are really funny. <laughs> those hats are insane. But I don't know what people were wearing during the Korea's medieval Joseon period. But if that's what they were wearing, I guess this is dead on accurate. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I I think, you know, it looked like, you know, the villages look cool. Like, you know, the costumes are cool and stuff like that. But that's where it ends, man. Tyler, did you watch any of this? No, and now I'm glad I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) I was bored to tears. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this on, like, IMDb and stuff, and it's got great ratings. Dude, it might get better. It might get better. But, man, I was bored to fucking tears. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. I I just – I don't know. I came for kick-ass Korean zombies, and I got people eating finger soup. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Do you even see a zombie? Yeah. do yeah you see a bunch of them eating a eating a girl Hmm. hey who who hasn't eaten a girl though right (laughs) 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 cannibalism bro you know what i'm saying no that's not what i was saying i eat them fingers first dude right that's (laughs) no i I was i I was totally not even no i was oh Anyway, uh, I eat them fingers first, and I use my my bottom mouth. <laughs> they're uh, they're 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 doing a second season of this, though. It's set to begin yeah. production in February of 2019. So, 
Um, <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, here's a couple interesting facts about the first season. A crew member of the art team died on January 16th, 2018, due to overwork. So while I'm not even enjoying the series, you've got an actual person dying because he's being overworked making this movie, uh, this series that I didn't like. That is fucked up. Um, and uh, the series overspent the budget, too, which each episode cost more than $1.78 million. Wow, I'm surprised they're going through with the second season of this. Isn't that crazy? Seems like a big nightmare. Well, I mean, there was a stunt actor that died on The Walking Dead last season. Yeah, but that's The Walking Dead. Like, you move on. Mm-hmm. It's an established gigantosaurus. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is whatever, right? You know? I don't know. Maybe I'm just not giving this, like, enough episodes. Like, maybe this is a slow burn. And, uh, you know, usually I am good with slow burns like i i typically don't have to have like action 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 but there's nothing in that first episode that was like I, I that i was that was blowing me away i was just like and then when i got 10 10 minutes in i was like fuck this i'm gonna watch some my hero academia you know <laughs> yeah. yeah you'll have well, that i will continue to watch uh just to see i'll at least watch the second episode but yeah. it'll be a while because i got a bunch of anime to finish up so there you go i gotta watch that seven deadly sins you've been talking about dude, dude. it's good dude i've I, watched the first season of that that it, it gets pretty crazy it, it gets really cheeky sometimes shit. but it's fun yeah, yeah it's a little pervy yes but you kind of realize why later and jake you might not have gotten there yet but it makes a little bit of sense like it's still pervy don't get it twisted, but there there is sort of a connective reason for it. Um, the main guy is just like he looks like he's like twelve all the time, and he just is constantly grabbing the this one girl's boobs and butt all the time. And yes. It's creepy, and you're like, oh, I guess this is just anime. But then it kind of has an explanation later. I think I got that far. Okay. To, to know why. Okay. But it still doesn't completely make it plausible. But you look past all that, and there's a lot of other really great stuff going on. Yeah, like the way I have to t- explain that away for myself is like it's basically his wife, and she just doesn't really know it. You know what I mean? So it's more like he's just horny for his wife, but it's yeah, still he creepy. hasn't got that to that point yet. It's yeah. he's going through the circle again. Yeah. Yeah. Hey that guys, my good pop, uh, bad pop though, because I just finished up uh, that season. I think maybe a week ago. Oh, is that your good pop, bad pop? Yeah, Seven Deadly Sins uh, and Black Clover are my two anime uh, that I've been. You know, I, I just caught up on both. Nice. Uh, Black Clover is pretty decent too. I haven't watched beyond the first season of that either. Oh, Black Clover's great. I hated the main. I, I watch everything uh, in subs because I like. Japanese voice actors. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just seems like I want to watch it in the way that it was made. But whatever, oh, I know. No, I, hear, I hear. I hear you on the nerds every week. You pretentious fuck. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, pretentious fuck. Like when I was watching Kingdom, I made sure to like. I I didn't. I turned off the subtitles and like I had it switch over to like the dub version. <laughs> I was like, Maybe fuck. That's it. why you don't like it. Oh fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Listen, you. The pre- acting is pretty good in that show, actually. Other than the. The Prince I don't really like. Yeah. Um, but uh, Seven Deadly Sins is great. Uh, it's really good action. It's, it sets up a really interesting world. Um, and it's on Netflix. There's three seasons right now. Uh, the fourth, I know they're working on it. But it's really two seasons with like a five-episode mini-season in the middle. And 
it's good. Like it has some stuff in it that's like cool, but it's mostly just a bridge that little season. So it's like, eh. um, but overall, I mean, Seven Deadly Sins is great, and I cannot wait for the next season to come out. And then Black Clover, uh, I hated the main actor's voice, and I was like, I, I didn't know if I could get through it. But by the second episode, I don't know why it like hooked me, and it's really good. It's uh, season three is uh, kind of you know still going on right now. Uh, and I, the only thing I will say negative about Black Clover is like for some reason this la- like this season it seems like they kind of like ran out of money and like there's some really dicey animation uh, here and there. But if you can get past uh, some kind of crappy art every once in a while, uh, it's it's really good. It's shonen, so it's a lot like My Hero. It's like uh, we're. Uh, um, God, what's his name? The main character, Midoriya. Crazy, Midoriya. Yeah, where he's like the guy with no no quirk. Uh, um, the main character Asta in uh, Black Clover is in a world where everyone has magic, like everybody, even little kids, and it's all varying degrees of magic. They all get like a grimoire that comes to them. It's like a floating book they can put. They like learn new spells, and it goes in there naturally, and they cast out of there. He's it's almost a metaphor for puberty. They use it as kind of yeah, yeah. Like at fifteen, you get your uh, your grimoire. Well, this dude, main oh, dude, shit. Has no and magic. you'll have your grimoire until like maybe your late thirties or early forties. <laughs> and uh, then yeah. you got to take a, a blue pill that makes your grimoire stronger again. <laughs> uh, but in this, um, the main character just has no magic. He's like literally one of the only people with no magic. And uh, he does eventually get a grimoire. Like, everyone's laughing at him. He's kind of a laughingstock because there's, like, a hierarchy in this world where the royalty has, like, the most magic and then commoners. And, you know, it kind of scales down and and the royalty kind of judge everybody and shit on everybody. But uh, he does get a a grimoire and he gets a five clover one. So they're, like, in that however many leaves on this clover is, like, the power levels and... The, his best friend gets like a four leaf and it's like he's super strong and awesome and then he gets this five leaf and it's this dusty black book and all he can do with it is pull a sword out of it but his sword cuts through magic so he's basically the strongest guy is this on like if, are these both on netflix no uh, uh, clover's on funimation okay and Crunchyroll is what i watch it on but i'm gonna probably switch over to vrv if i can get funimation and uh crunchy so there you go. Uh, not Funimation, but you can get the high dive now. Oh, okay. Yeah, they just lost Funimation. That's right, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, Black Clover's really cool. Uh, if you like Shonen-y, kind of uh, like Naruto or My Hero or anything like that, uh, kind of anime, it's it's right in that, like, that believe it and I can, I can do it, you know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> do you watch Crazy-Ass Food Wars, Aaron? I started the first episode and I could tell I'm going to love it so I didn't want to until I uh, finished like the couple I'm cleaning up on which is like Gate and um, Sirius Jaeger on Netflix I started so I want to finish those oh yeah I just saw that High Dive on VRV has the second and third season of Food Wars so I'm really excited about that so (laughs) Brian if you've not heard of it it's basically people cooking and like kind of battling each other with cooking but they give each other orgasms through food it seems like they like oh my God. it's really weak so it's like yeah, iron great. chef meets porn yes yes 
Oh, my God. Hey, guys, I went into the theater and I watched a new movie called Serenity. Joss Whedon. God bless him. No, not the Firefly movie, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Firefly continues. No, not Firefly. <laughs> uh, Baker Dill is a fishing boat captain leading tours off a tranquil, tropical enclave called Plymouth Island. His quiet life is shattered, however, when his ex-wife Karen tracks him down with a desperate plea for help. She begs Dill to save her and their young son from her new violent husband by taking him out to sea on a fishing excursion only to throw him to the sharks and leave him for dead. Karen's appearance thrusts Dill back into a life he tried to forget. And he and as he struggles between right and wrong, his world is plunged into a new reality that may not be all that it seems. This movie is written and directed by Stephen Knight, uh, who's behind the FX series Taboo with Tom Hardy. Also, Peaky Blinders on Netflix with Killian Murphy and also Tom Hardy. Uh, this one stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Diane Lane, Jaiman Hansu. Jason Clark and Jeremy Strong. Guys, that cast is insane. I had to see it just for that cast. And I'm a huge fan of Stephen Knight. I think Stephen Knight is brilliant. So I was like, I got to fucking see this. Um, so I knew that audiences and critics were not digging this movie. And I had to find out why. I had to go to this fucking movie and find out what the fuck is going on here. So you've got Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, his character, he's in debt, and uh, he goes out on these fishing excursions with people, and, you know, they catch fish and they bring them in. Um, but he's also got this obsession with catching this gigantic tuna, and so he goes out there. It's, it's kind of like his white whale. You know, he's like Captain Ahab, and he's trying to catch his white whale, which is this gigantic tuna that he's obsessed with catching. And he goes out all the time trying to catch this fish, but he's, you know, during the day. And then at night, he also goes out uh, and and fishes at night, does some night fishing, so he can, uh, you know, at least bring in some other fish to kind of continue to pay for, like, gas and, like, what he needs to, you know, pay for, like, you know, to keep his fishing tours going. He's a mysterious character. Like, he's got this unspoken past that he doesn't like to talk about in this fishing town that he's in. Um, he's sleeping with Diane Lane's character. And it's kind of just like, a, you know, friends with benefits type of relationship. His ex-wife tracks him down, who's played by Anne Hathaway, and she finds him. And she tells him about her new husband and how he treats her and how he treats their kid. And um, he treats their kid like shit. And um, she tells him that she's going to pay him. She'll pay him $10 million if she takes him out on a fishing tour and feeds him to the sharks. So, like, you know, then there's this huge twist in the movie. And I'm not going to spoil it, but I am going to talk about how this twist is affecting critics and audiences. But I'll give my rating. Um, I fucking loved this movie. I'm going to Tupperware this. I, I, wow. yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I fucking had a blast with this movie. I'm also, you got to take this with a grain of salt, though. I'm a huge Stephen Knight fan, and uh, I knew going into this that this is not going to be just like what you think it's going to be. 
I do think that the biggest problem with this movie is marketing. It's be, it's being marketed as kind of like an old school 1990s erotic thriller. Oh boy. And it is just that at times, but with this insane twist happening in the movie, if you don't like that, if you don't think it's brilliant, you are not going to like this movie at all. Like people, I think literally at the end of the day in my showing, if I had to guess just by like how people re- were reacting in my theater, I think I was the only one that liked this movie. So I don't like everybody listening right now. <laughs> how many people? There were probably, I'd say a good like eight to n- 10 people in my theater. Okay. Besides okay. me. And there was like one guy audibly making sighs during certain parts of the movie. Like, <sighs> like you ever been that guy? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, me too. During Man of Steel of all movies. But let's not bring up Man of Steel, Aaron. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Just uh, of all the I stupid things to bring to up. Can we talk about Serenity, you son of a bitch? Um but anyway, there's I'm telling you like this it at the beginning of this movie it does feel like a like kind of, it does it feels like a 1990s erotic thriller and there is this absolutely insane twist that happens in the movie and either you like it or you don't and I found the twist to be super fascinating and I just had to keep watching to find out what our main character was going to do I had to find out how this was going to finish and I'm telling you like this twist is so left fucking field um, that I think this movie could be appreciated over time. I don't know if people are ready for this now. I think like people need to know that there's a twist going into it because if you go into this just the way it's been marketed, um, you are not. I don't think you're going to like it. Serenity scored a 22 percent, a four out of ten on Rotten Tomatoes, and the Friday night polls indicate that the movie's cinema score was a D plus which is the lowest cinema score since Holmes and Watson that also scored a D plus last month. So like this has got a D plus cinema score and like we're, we're seeing like the D plus cinema scores, like cinema scores are usually high. We're seeing like the low cinema scores, the low cinema scores are coming from movies that are marketed wrong. Um, movies like movies uh, with twist. Yeah. Mo- well, movies. Yeah. That are marketed wrong. Like what was the Jennifer um, mother mother like that had a really low cinema score and that was because it was marketed wrong. Audiences felt like they were lied to. And the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is at a 32%. So the critics gave it a 22 and the audience is giving it a 32. But, like, what's interesting about this, though, is, like, not all the critics are hating this movie. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about, like, some really good critics here like this movie. Katie Walsh of the L.A. Times said... The off-kilter, colorful, cartoonish fantasy of Serenity is just so odd and appealing that you want to spend time with the characters aboard this ship among the people of Plymouth in this crazy upside-down world. Uh, Hilary Busis of Vanity Fair. Vanity fucking fair. Says you might just love it as much as I did. And if nothing else, you certainly won't be bored. 
you will not I don't think you can be bored and I don't think you can forget this fucking movie this is so fucking weird uh, David Sims of the Atlantic said Serenity, Serenity may not make it onto many critics top 10 lists come the end of 2019 but it's certain to be one of the more unforgettable viewing experiences of the year uh, Y Tran Bowie also get these are all fresh ratings Everything I'm reading is a fresh rating. Y-Tran Bowie of the Slash Film um, uh, um, uh, blog said uh, Serenity is splashy, it's weird, it's wild, and it knows it. And it's a highly ambitious movie that offers something that fewer and fewer movies do these days. A genuine surprise. So, like, these are all fresh ratings from, you know, good uh, media outlets. Uh, Richard Roper of the Chicago uh, of the Chicago Sun Times also gave this a fresh rating. Um, Anne Hathaway she addressed the bad reviews and she still endorses the film. Uh, McConaughey gave an interview this week in which he can't recall being full frontal naked in the movie. Um, but anyway, like I watched this and. I had to see this because I heard that there was like some crazy twist that happened in the movie. And, um, when the twist happened, I, uh, I applauded the movie. I, I think it's ambitious and I absolutely love this one. I thought I, it was, it worked for me and I'm telling like most of our listeners, like when you go into this, it's probably not going to work for you. I, I, I think like I would say two out of every 10 people it's going to work for. For me, it worked. And this has just been the weird. The, this has been the 2019 <laughs> has been the year of like of movies that people are not liking that I'm liking. I loved Glass and I love Serenity. Two movies that overall people are not enjoying. And I loved both of them. So like don't like don't think that you're going to go into this one and love it. Don't just don't. Because like if you're going into this thinking this is going to be like some like you know 90s erotic thriller in the vein of a 90s erotic thriller like that's how they market it that is not what you're gonna get here there is there is such a left field fucking twist in this movie jake i'm not kidding you gotta watch this movie to see this twist like i don't care yeah i i kind of can't wait to see this now I, i i have this like I'm imagining the experience of you seeing this movie and like the twist happens and like the sign guy sighs and you're sitting there doing like a slow golf clap, you know, (laughs) dude, dude, you got this guy, this guy. Yeah, dude, that's me in the theater. And there's, and everybody's hating me. Everybody, there's got, you got the fucking guy over there sighing and shit. You got the other guy. He's fucking like tapping his foot the whole fucking time. Um, But then there's me and I got like this huge smile on my face because I'm like, oh my God. Stephen Knight's got some balls to fucking do this in this movie. I, I find it weird that you uh-huh. liked this movie, um, but hated Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, I know. I know. I see the comparison there because that had a like a, a very strange twist. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Tyler. You got to understand, like, it all hinges on what the twist is. It all hinges on what that twist is. And that twist just did not work for me in that movie. This twist, like as I'm watching the movie, I'm going back and I'm thinking about other things that happened in this movie previously that line up and add up to this. There's nothing. 
in Sorry to Bother You that leads me no. to think that that twist is ever going to happen. But when you go back and you think about things, interactions that Matthew McConaughey's, Matthew McConaughey's character has in this, you're thinking to yourself like, oh my God, in the world that they're now presenting with this new twist, that totally makes sense. That interaction that he had with that woman in a shop is just like the same interactions that I've had in how this twist would play out. And if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. You know uh, yeah, it. I, I read the Wikipedia, so now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's like it's kind of like um it is such a fucking bizarre movie. It's either going to work for you or it's not. But I Tupperware the fuck out of Serenity, and I don't want our listeners to take my word for it, though. Like, this one has to be experienced on your own. And if you come back to me and you say, Brian, like, what the fuck are you talking about? This movie is absolute trash. I'm going to be like, you know what? I get it. It didn't work for you. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, it didn't work for you. Like, this movie, like... It, it sucked you in like you thought like, oh, it like it could be interesting. And then it takes this bizarre twist and turns into a completely different film, but yet still the same film. Because like if you look at everything that happens before the twist is revealed, it's still the same film. It's just what your perception of the film is now. Now that like your eyes are open to it. It's basically like Morpheus has plugged you in and you've taken the fucking pill to like open your eyes and shit. Now you know what's going on in this movie. Like you either got to accept it or you don't. And I accepted it and I loved it and I loved it for its bizarreness. And I got a great experience watching this fucking movie. And I had a smile on my face and I was just like, this movie's fucking brilliant. I love Stephen Knight. It's fucking sad that this movie's not performing well. This movie's got an insane cast. I want to see Jaime and Hansu get some more fucking roles like this. You know, it's like, I, you know, Jaime and Hansu is just like, Jaime and Hansu, I loved him in Gladiator. Like, that was my first experience to this guy. And then all of a sudden, like, now Jaime and Hansu is like the fisherman king in Aquaman. He's going to be like the wizard in Shazam. He's like Korath, the pursuer, you know, in the, in the Guardians. Like, he's just like these bit fucking roles like i want to see him get more shit like this where he's like he's not the main guy but at least he's doing some shit so got some meat you know yeah. something to chew on i think he's a good actor i think i want to see him i want to see that guy do some more stuff um diane lane god damn it how old is she jesus christ she looks like she's in her fucking 30s she's incredible yeah, the genetics on that fucking what a specimen of a human being jesus christ just i look at myself in the mirror and i'm just like i'm i am just a piece i am living poop <laughs> that's uh that's our martha i know she's martha uh, yeah that's superman's mom of course she's gonna look amazing oh right. my god speaking of um man i was just watch. oh uh in punisher uh superman's mom from smallville is in that show and she looks old as shit really yes the the martha from smallville she's like a senator or something in it but she looks fucking crazy old and sorry that just reminded me of it i remember yesterday being like god damn she's old looking you know what everybody go if you're gonna go out and see this movie 
like I don't know. I'm not. I I would like I would if you had the same experience as me. I would love for you to go see it in the theater. But at least watch this one when it comes out on Redbox or HBO or Stars or whatever the fuck. I think it's definitely worth that. But I think like right now is like the perfect time to go see it before you get spoiled on it. Like if you could go to the theater and see this before you get spoiled on it. And I hope that you had the same experience as me, but I can't promise that you will. And like I'm a Stephen Knight fan, okay? I don't know if that played into this. Like cuz I knew when I was going into this one, I you know, I knew I was a Stephen Knight fan. I don't know if that played into this at all. Like I like like you know, probably deep, subconsciously a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. It might have been one of those things. Exactly, Jake. You might be right. You might be right. Hey, you know what else? Real quick, and I'm going to pass it off to you, Jake, and see what you got for this week. But I watched um, The uh, Perfect Bid, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Uh, right actually before we recorded, I pulled up Amazon just to see like what was new on there. Have you guys heard about this? I'm not. It's a documentary from a couple years ago. came out in 2017. It's called Perfect Bid, The Man Who Knew Too Much. And it's about this guy named Theodore who was a super fan of the game show The Price is Right and would watch it like religiously every week and would memorize the prices of all like the items that they had on the show. And he realized that they would continue to use the same prizes and different like products on the show every week so he could kind of like you know in his head like if when they had like okay we're gonna show you like this tea set he would know that it was 650 dollars because he'd seen it like in a previous episode or you know and he, and and um you know when they had a car uh, sometimes they would present a car. He knew the price of the car. And then like when they presented the car, that same car with like different options, he actually went to the website for these cars and would like memorize the prices for like the different options. And he was kind of like rain man when it came to that. Like he knew, he just knew this kind of shit. And it was absolute, this, this documentary, it's only like an hour and 20 minutes, but it's about him being, he was actually on the show once, but he helped an audience member, get the perfect bid. So the audience member, like they, like this guy was kind of like, he'd gone to like 30 plus showings of like, uh, live tapings of the prices, right. And he was kind of like famous in prices, right. Circles as being like, you know, dead on when it comes to like, you know, some of his guesses as to the prices of some of like the showcases and the products and stuff like that. He was really good at that shit. And he was helping out one gentleman during the showcase showdown, and he gave him the exact amount down to the dollar of what it was. So this guy Man. won both showcases, and it actually like freaked out the producers to the point where they thought the show might have been rigged, and there was going to be a whole investigation going on. Like... I was pretty blown away by this documentary. I thought it was fantastic. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. It's called Perfect Bid, The Man Who Knew Too Much, and it's on Amazon Prime, and you can watch it if you have Amazon. So That sounds awesome, Brian. I'm glad you brought that up. That, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, popped up on the front page of my Amazon. So, like, before we recorded, I was like, I was like, you can either watch another episode of kingdom and like want to fucking put a bullet in your brain or you can watch something on Amazon prime and like 
clean your palate. And so I was like, let's watch this documentary. <laughs> oh, I'm done watching Kingdom. Jesus, fuck. Mm. <laughs> Jake, what do you got for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Uh, I wanted to warn our listeners about a show called The Masked Singer. Uh, I went ahead and watched this, and it's an absolute toss-it for me. It's the, it's the new Fox reality competition singing show. Do you guys know of this thing? I watched the first two yeah. episodes. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's hosted by Nick Cannon. It's got like Jenny McCarthy and Robin Thicke and um, one of the like Pussycat Girls and uh, as the host. And it's just a big train wreck. It's mass celebrities and they sing songs and you're supposed to guess who the celebrity is. And I, I don't even understand who the audience for this is, what the entertainment value is here. Um, maybe if they had A-list singers and celebrities underneath the mask, there would be something here. But when you're taking the mask off and it's Terry Bradshaw or Tommy Chong, I just kind of tune out and don't give a fuck. So th- this is one of the biggest giant train wreck reality shows I've seen in a long time. It's interesting enough that I will look at the Wikipedia page every week to see who the next D-less singer was since I ended up hearing all of them sing by watching two or three episodes. But wow, this was awful. Avoid the mass singer at all costs. I guess it was based off of a, a South Korean show called King of the Mass Singer that is actually very good. So it's unfortunate that the uh, this version seems to be lost in translation. Did you like it at all? Tyler? No, I thought it was trash. Yeah. And it, it's boring. It's drawn out. It's, I mean, it, it, even Ken Jong's not funny. Oh, I forgot he was on it too. Yeah, that's how unfunny he was, and I'm normally a fan of him. Yeah, I, I watched it for 20 minutes, and then I was like straight to my cell phone and the computer for the next 90 minutes. Wow. Apparently Joel McHale was on episodes three through five. Oh, was he one of the people? No, he was like a guest host or guest panelist oh. or something. Oh, okay. Wow. So he needs some money, I guess, because this is if this makes a second season, I'll be shocked. Yeah, it, it was trash. I'm going to toss it. I got, you know what, guys? And I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but um, fuck it. Whatever. I uh, I had you guys watch the Umbrella Academy, uh, Umbrella Academy trailer for Netflix coming out. Uh, yeah. I, I forgot to watch it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Guys, you got to understand, like, I, I, I was... I forgot to watch it, too. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to watch it. So, um, you know, I apologize, guys. I, I was doing so much this week and planning all the show notes and stuff like that that I got so wrapped up in doing that, and I kept thinking to myself, okay, Brian, you can watch a two-minute trailer. You'll just watch it later. Just continue to do what you're doing now, and you'll, you'll get around to it. Don't worry about it. And I never did, so I just... Kind of like real quick, I, I just want to get your thoughts on like what you thought of the Umbrella Academy uh, trailer. This is based on a comic book written by uh, My Chemical Romance singer Gerard Way. What did you guys think about this? I thought it looked great. As a trailer, I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I thought it looked really cool. I, I was really impressed by the production value of it. Um, it looked like something that could be a theatrical release movie and not like something that could be a sci-fi original low budget TV series like this. It looks like a lot of money was put into this and the special effects look really good. I, I'm excited to see this show. Don't knock sci-fi. Deadly class has been <laughs> fucking amazing. Uh, right. What what network can I go to to make fun of 
low budget effect TV USA. CW. It's not, not CW. It does not look like CW bullshit. All right, thank you. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not offended. I've just yeah. Sci- sci-fi's got one show. USA has Mr. Robot, but you know I've heard some bad things about Mr. Robot lately, so I don't know anymore. Sci-fi's got Happy too. Sci-fi has Happy. That's been really good. I love Happy. Yeah. So yeah, look good. It just looked really. I didn't expect so much money to be dumped into this, and I was really impressed by that. Aaron, yeah, what do you I, think? I agree. I thought it looked really good. Uh, and they've got a you know they've got Ellen Page, who's a pretty big name. I mean, not you know as huge anymore, but she's she still brings you know some gravitas with her. And uh, I, I don't know. It looks really cool. I I have not read this comic, but I am a fan of uh, the first two My Chemical Romance albums. So. I love Gerard Way, uh, and I think the song that's playing must be something he's done because it sounds like his voice on it. It is. It's uh, a. It's one of his. It's one of his okay. songs. I read that in an article somewhere. Um, but yeah, it looks really good. It. Um, yeah. It it has re- like like what Jake said. You can see money in it. It's 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 impressively uh, done. Like the 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 whatever effects are in it look really good. And again, I'm I'm with you there, Jake. I thought it was going to have less money in it, at least looks wise. Um, but it looks really good. I, so, yeah, I, I, had, I, I couldn't help. I couldn't help but obsess on that. Right. Cause I, you kind of, it's kind of a little bit paint by numbers, the story, it's the family of superhero type thing going on, you know, with the secret society in the background. So it's kind of, we've seen that a million times. So I, I was really taken aback by the budget dumped in. Awesome. All right. Yeah, that's basically, yeah, here's the synopsis. I'm sure our listeners are like, you guys are talking about it, but what's it about? What's it about? You guys are talking about it. It just looks so good. Who gives a fuck what it's about? Yeah, I thought it looked good. The production value looked good for Netflix. But what's it about, you stupid fucks? Like, I'll tell you. It's about looking good, you bitch. Here's the synopsis. Yeah, it's about, maybe it's Maybelline, you stupid fuck. Huh? Maybe it's. Anyway, uh, on the same on the same day in nineteen eighty nine, forty three infants are inexplicably born to random, unconnected women who showed no signs of pregnancy the day before. Seven are adopted by Sir Reginald Hargreaves, a billionaire industrialist who creates the Umbrella Academy and prepares his children to save the world. But not everything went according to plan. In their teenage years, the family fractured and the team disbanded. Now, the six surviving 30-something members reunite upon the news of Hargreaves' passing. Luther, Diego, Allison, Klaus, Vanya, and number five, work together to solve a mystery surrounding their father's death. But the estranged family once again begins to come apart due to their divergent personalities and abilities, not to mention the imminent threat of a global apocalypse. So there you go. That's what it's about, you fucking whining pieces of shit. Fuck them. And it looks good. <laughs> yeah, it looks fucking real good, right? They spent some money. You know, Brian, if you weren't so busy uh, arguing on YouTube uh, reviews for Serenity, you might have fucking taken two minutes and watched this goddamn trailer. You know, yeah, I know. It's like yeah, I get wrapped up. You know, people. <laughs> why, why, why you? Why you? know, why are you knocking the Serenity so hard? No, it's. I don't, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't know why I liked it. And I'm not telling our listeners that I'm right. Like. 
It's one of those things like I'm not telling you like go to the theater and watch this and then come back to me and tell me how you much you hated it in an iTunes review later. You know what I mean? That'll be like that'll be like <laughs> that'll be like next week's iTunes reviews, Jake. Motherfucker. <laughs> Five stars. Watch Serenity. Brian was wrong, but I still like the show. <laughs> you know what I'll say? Having spoiled myself on it, uh, I think I would watch it and probably enjoy it. Knowing, knowing. The, the twist, yeah. yeah. I think, I think I'd be more mad yeah. going in not knowing. Yeah. Dude, it's so, it's so weird. Once you like realize what's going on here, as long, okay, as soon as the twist is revealed, if you can go with it, if you can just kind of go with it, and then like wonder, like, okay, what's going to happen next? What is our protagonist going to do now? Now that we know that this is the reality that we're in. What is our protagonist going to do now? And how are the other people around him going to react? And then also go back and think about how these characters were acting before all this happened and how it does fit in with the twist. It is kind of fucking brilliant, but I could definitely see why people are like saying 22% of critics and like, and I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm the guy who gets it. <laughs> like, like, no, <laughs> like, like I, I totally get it, man. I feel like some people, I feel like this was a ballsy fucking movie to like throw that kind of twist in and market it the way that they did. Jesus, you gotta have, you got Stephen Knight's got fucking like huge fucking balls to do this. I'm talking like cantaloupe-sized fucking testicles. It's insane. McConaughey seems to be doing whatever the fuck he wants now. Uh, like he's doing the new Harmony Corinne, which is uh, an interesting choice because I mean Harmony Corinne's done what? Spring Breakers and Kids. Those are like his two yeah uh, prior movies, and he's he doing that. Signed up for that. The the Beach Bum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, which oh yeah. We've got. Uh, I don't know. You got Martin Lawrence in that one. Isla Fisher, Zac Efron's in it. They got Jimmy Buffett in that movie. And it's like they it's like they're leaning into like all these actors basically like playing themselves in some respects in this movie cuz they got like Matthew McConaughey like getting high and playing the bongos in this fucking trailer. <laughs> Isn't yeah. isn't like a python fucking like on the drums as he's banging on it? Yeah. <sighs> have you have you seen Gummo? I uh, I didn't Uh-oh. mention it, but that's the other movie Harmony Corinne did, which I loved. Gummo sounds like the name of like a uh, elderly prostitute, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a- who'd you who'd you who'd suck you sucked your dick last night? <laughs> oh, Gummo. Gummo. (laughs) You can always get a discount from Gummo. Oh, man. If you've never seen it, it's basically redneck, uh, like, white trash kids, and it is crazy. Hmm. Gummo. It's got um, uh, Chloe Sevigny in it as well. And, uh, no, Rosario Dawson was in Kids with her. Sorry. But Chloe Sevigny is in this one as well. Well, let's, you know what, let's, you know what we're going to do right now? I'm going to. I'm gonna get a gummo, and then we're gonna come back, and we're gonna we're gonna go over the pop culture leftovers news. How's Sounds this? good. How's that sound? Let's throw shit. Let's throw some shit. <laughs> that was me throwing a bottle cap off my beer. All right, I like to. Someone just threw something. I was joining in, man. <laughs> Jake just threw like his cat, cat against the wall or something. <laughs> no, I would never do that. I know you wouldn't. Ah. Uh, 
Oh, he he's looking at me right now. He is so handsome. Look at you. Like, yeah. Don't throw me I've against the wall. I've had Maui in, in the room the entire episode. He's actually been quiet. I can't believe it. Yeah, he he's you know he he is just like laying on a on a vent right now. He likes the hot air coming up and hitting his uh, his nutsack. He enjoys that. Oh, Don't we all? His nutsack doesn't. It, he has no nuts anymore. Yeah, my brother just got a new computer, and his cat has taken to laying right behind, like, the tower. Oh, yeah. The heat's coming the out heat's there. coming out. Yeah. He, he loves doing this. Like, he'll do it in the bathroom, and he'll also, Well, since I'm out here right now, he wants to be near me. But he's over there, and he's just... There he is. There he is. Yeah, how's that feel, buddy? There you go. Adjust. There you go. Yep, lick that. That's cool. Do that. Don't you... I don't know, man. I don't... Isn't that weird? Are you talking to Gummo again now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, back to Gummo. Oh, Gummo, go ahead. Lick, lick that. that. Keep it lick up. Lick that. Lick that. There you go. Yeah. Do that. Sounds so enthused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bitch about the Social Security office again. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, hey, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Welcome back. <laughs> I love it when I get to welcome people back from like a 10 second or 15 second break, Jake. For them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for them. All right, it's time for the pop culture lefters. <laughs> yeah, for us, it was a lifetime, you can tell. Yeah, it's time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, so Hulu announced that it's dropping its basic service down $2 a month. Uh, and Netflix has announced that they're raising their service $2 a month from $11 to $13. Listen, to so I was confused. Wow, everyone. Wow, wow. What the? Wow. What the fuck? Hey. I was going to make a kingdom joke, but now it's dead. <laughs> I'm muting myself. There's kingdom jokes? I don't know. I was going to make a joke about the show Brian hates. <laughs> so do we get grandfathered in if we already are Hulu subscribers, or is it new subscribers only? Well, the Hulu uh, the Hulu subscribers that get the $2 break, uh, Hulu confirmed that its basic SVOD service, which includes ads, will drop from $7.99 to $5.99 per month, while its ad-free SVOD service Will remain at eleven ninety nine. That's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> yeah. Why not for you? Because I don't pay. I, I pay the seven ninety nine now, and they're going to drop me to five ninety nine. Oh yeah, that is. Well, I, right now I'm actually paying ninety nine cents because I I did their uh, one year at ninety nine cents for the uh, what was it their uh, Black Friday deal. Oh, yeah, that was the deal. Man, next time they do something like that, I'm probably going to cancel and do a new email. 
I don't care about fucking ads on Hulu. Like it gives me a chance to just like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna check my phone. Uh, oh, ooh, I gotta watch an Oil of Olay ad for the next thirty seconds. That's what <laughs> I don't give a shit. Show me some Oil of Olay. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'll, I'll watch that ad and you know save seven bucks a month. You know, so yeah, it's starting to sound good. I agree with all the other services you have to pay for. It's not. I'm starting to agree with you. Well, Netflix Netflix is going to raise their service for $2 a month, but they've kind of been experimenting with the fact of like, oh, what if we, what if we added ads in here? Uh, this is from Geeky Tyrant. I wanted to read this. Streaming, uh, streaming Observer teamed up with MindNet Analytics to survey 607 random Netflix uh, subscribers, and they found out that 27% of those surveyed we're either going to cancel roughly three to four percent or we're considering canceling the service because of the price hikes. In addition, 10 percent of those surveyed said that they'd keep Netflix, but will be downgrading their plan. Uh, the, ne- the survey also asked participants if they would be interested in Netflix with ads. Forty percent said that ads are unacceptable on Netflix, even if it were free. Meanwhile, 15% said that Netflix would have to be free for them to be okay with ads. 8% required a discount of 75%. 29% of participants wanted a 50% discount. And 13% said that a 25% discount was enough. So, yeah, Netflix is definitely thinking about adding ads into this. But that was part of the survey. I think the, the fact that they're raising their service $2 a month from 11 to 13 is them trying to say that we're not going to add ads. Yeah. Which would you prefer? Would you rather them hike it another two bucks or would you rather you have the option? You would prefer the option because you'd obviously choose the option. Yeah. If, if Netflix wanted to add ads and they would like give me the service for, you know, the price of like what Hulu is asking for now, seven ninety nine. Like I'd have, or it, fuck, I'd even be happy with like the old eight ninety eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, with ads, I have no problem with ads. Like it gives me a chance to like, you know, like I'll let the ads play and I'll just hop on my phone real quick. Ah, hey, what's going on on Twitter? What's going on on Facebook? I'm totally fine with that. But you know, you know, I, I have no problem with that. I'm saving a couple bucks here and there. But I I get it. Like for some, it's it's for some. For some stuff, it's like with Hulu, though, when you watch a movie on Hulu, for the most part, I've noticed, like I watched Wolf on Wall Street, I get like a big ad at the beginning of it, and then I can watch the movie uninterrupted. It's only like what I recall is like the shows have ads throughout. So, you know, I wouldn't want to watch a movie on Netflix and be interrupted with ads. Um. But it would be kind of different to watch Stranger Things with ads built in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It would be a little bit, like, kind of alarming to have them just all of a sudden pop to that Oil of Olay ad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good on ads, personally. I'd prefer to pay. I mean, I, I agree the option is probably the better way to do it. Like, I'd rather be able to pay, you know, 12 13 bucks and have no ads than... Uh, you know, or have people be able to pay eight, nine dollars, or whatever you know, and and have their ad or two. 
but I, I don't like interruptions. It annoys me. Hey, Jake, I got a question for you. Okay. Like they're talking about like YouTube premium going away and YouTube just offering the stuff for free and mm-hmm. just be like ad supported. But like, is YouTube, can YouTube sustain that? Are they big enough? Cause like, I, I, I feel like, like crackle and Tubi TV are all ad supported, but like, it's not like fucking crackle is giving you like the best programming ever. Like I, I enjoy a couple crackle originals, but I get it, dude. So, okay. Sony owns crackle. I get it. Sony's pretty big, but it's not like everybody goes to fucking crackle for content, but like a lot of people are already on Netflix. I get it. Yeah. YouTube has a little bit of that built in audience too, though. Right. It's just such strong branding. Uh, I know so many people that to this day still use YouTube as their one of their main music sources. So sure. they're always advertising revenue is way higher on YouTube than it is on like a crackle or the other service you mentioned Tubi. Yeah. Tubi. So I, I think YouTube can sustain it more so than those other services could. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, this news also came from Variety. Movie Pass is planning on. Uh, hey, Tyler, any fucking comments? Uh, um, I actually get a lot of my entertainment from YouTube, um, but that Netflix needs to. If they're gonna get ads, they need to have the option. I would go for the ads because I I'm like you. I like to have ads where I can check my phone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I have no problem with ads. Yeah, if it, especially if it's cheaper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll get, always I, go cheaper. Give you the option. I mean, Hulu does that. They give you like the eleven ninety nine without ads. But uh-huh. I think it's kind of fucked up, though, Jake. Like you know, like you are doing the eleven ninety nine without ads, and I'm doing the seven ninety nine with ads. But they're gonna drop me to five ninety nine. But you're sticking at eleven ninety nine, and nothing's changing. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to me. I feel like um, both parties should be privy to the two dollar discount. That makes really no sense. Yeah, it should drop down to nine ninety nine for you. That just makes sense to me because it feels like yeah. now it feels like you're paying an additional like six dollars to not have ads. Yeah, it's very very silly. Yeah, it's made me rethink it. Like I'm like right now yeah. I'm like maybe I should just fucking cancel right now. I could probably get a free month going into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I totally canceled my service with my original email address so I could get that ninety nine cents for twelve months with ads. I was like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm saving seven bucks a month right now. Um, this news came from Variety. Movie Pass is planning on relaunching an unlimited plan again. Um, so you know they had an unlimited plan when I first signed on with them which was like 30 bucks a month when I first signed on. It depended which market you were in. So some markets were like 35 bucks. Some markets, bigger markets were like 40 bucks, maybe even 50 bucks, depending like if you lived in like New York City or Los Angeles. But like for me, just living here in the Midwest, I paid 30 bucks a month and I got one movie a day at pretty much any theater, pretty much any theater I wanted to go to. I could watch a movie a day. And it was a fantastic deal. Uh, and then they changed it to unlimited at nine ninety nine. They weren't able to sustain it. And so now Movie Pass has kind of like a three movie a month deal for like six ninety five a month or something like that. Um, and uh, then they have like a red carpet deal where it's like you get you know like three movies a month that are either you know you can do IMAX, you can do three D. It doesn't matter what you do, but they have like three different deals right now one's uh, different levels 
but uh, they're thinking about resurrecting the unlimited plan and no pricing details are given they're they're going to give some i guess some details next week and i don't know i personally feel like i just got burned with by movie pass in the last year to where i think i will just stick with my amc a list where i know i can pay 20 bucks a month and i'm gonna get three movies a week guaranteed three movies a week guaranteed i'm just worried about like i don't know what movie plus pass plans on doing as far as their plans are concerned like and how long it's gonna last so i I will just stick with my AMC A-list. And honestly, I don't even know if I can re-sign up with MoviePass because I thought after you canceled your MoviePass, they had a stipulation to where like you couldn't re-sign with them after you canceled for a year. Yeah, I think that may be true. I think that may be true. MoviePass just has such a bad like stigma to it now, yeah. right? It almost feels very much like freaking like <laughs> like like Fire Festival. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the like, it's the jaw rule of like movie services. Yeah, so it's I mean good luck to them and everything. I mean they're definitely the innovators and the one that really brought this kind of service to the forefront, but yeah. oof, they need some good PR. Yeah. Yeah, the way they were signing people back up that like canceled and changing plans without any notice and stuff, mm-hmm. I can't see this working. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think like you know, like I'm seeing ads all the time. Did you see that they partnered up with some wine company and so they were sending yeah. me emails for like for like if you use like this code, they'll you know, you'll get like wine delivered. I was thinking to myself, like, fuck, I'm going to need. Yeah, you're going to have to lick me up before I fucking sign up back for your shit because like you guys fucked me over. Yeah, they explode me with email at least once a week. I still get movie pass email. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things where. It was great. Like, I had no problem paying the 30 bucks a month. I, I was doing that plan for, like, shit, man. I was doing that plan from 2013-14 to 2018. I was doing, like, the 30 bucks a month. You know, I did that plan for, like, three, four years. I yeah, know, you were the first person to ever tell me about MoviePass, and it was over a year before all the craze started. Yeah, I was doing it for 30 bucks a month, like, you know, and I was... I was seeing a different movie. I was seeing like you know two to three movies a week sometimes. And I, I remember it. one one year like in a January you showing me like your like where it shows you every movie you saw that mm-hmm. year, and this was way before the movie pass boom. Yeah, yep, yeah. It was a great thing when it first started, and then that. I mean, it was awesome when it was nine ninety five, and you were just you know when you were paying ten bucks a month and still being able to see everything that you wanted to, and then like right before. Um, it was uh, then things changed right before Avengers Endgame uh, Infinity War came out and you weren't able to watch like unlimited, you know, like you weren't going to yeah. be able to watch like Avengers Infinity War as many times as you wanted to. You were limited to like one screening and um, you know, I don't know, whatever. So uh, quick news. Bumblebee has made over four hundred million dollars worldwide and it has not even been released in Japan yet. That's going to it's going to get released on March 22nd. And uh, Deadline had a uh, had a quick line in an article recently saying there's a sequel in development. Might that mean a Bumblebee Optimus Prime buddy movie? 
question mark before that there's an animated movie in the works and future iterations of the overall Transformers series that may introduce new characters and bring others along big story here is that it sounds like there's a sequel in development that it's been profitable enough for the studio for them to uh, move forward on a sequel which is great news yeah it's got to be big numbers in Japan I assume well hopefully it will be I mean um hasn't been released yet it'll be released on march 22nd so we'll find out hopefully it'll do big do big box office numbers in march i'm good for a sequel i love that movie so it's the first transformers that like i mean i love transformers one forever i don't I, it's like a guilty pleasure of mine but bumblebee is like the first transformers movie that really felt like transformers it did didn't it i mean yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really did. I saw that. I saw Bumblebee three times in theaters, and I really kind of want to catch it again before it leaves because I really love that movie. I think I might go see that this week. Then I want to see. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, it's just so good. It like is. it's it's got everything you need. It really does. It's got mm-hmm. action. It's got comedy. It's got you know some heartfelt moments. It's got an elderly na- lady named Gummo that sucks people off. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just your theater. That's just oh fuck! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did pay for her ticket, but Everything I gave you need. I gave her old my old movie pass subscription. <laughs> By the way, I'm I'm pro stubs. That's what I have, and I don't even watch one movie a week, but it pays for itself every month. Like I watch two two or three movies a month, and it's. Yeah, it's great. Got news here from Deadline, you stupid fucks. When that, and then I'll, and <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just like to catch people's attention. Call them stupid fucks. Hey, Resident Evil TV series is in the works at Netflix, people. This news comes from Deadline. Resident Evil is headed to television. They've learned that Netflix is developing a scripted series based on the hit action horror franchise. Uh, The series will be a Netflix global original. Search is underway for a showrunner to shepherd the adaptation. Um, So, yeah, no one is commenting, but... They're hearing that the plan is for the series to expand the Resident Evil universe and deepen the exiting myth. They put exiting mythology. It should be exciting. They're not a fuck. Jesus Christ! I just, or existing. I, or yeah, existing something. Exi- yeah, deepen the existing exiting mythology. Yeah, the mythology's out the door. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe they meant the old mythology from yeah. all the movies is exiting, and this new one is coming in. Stop oh, trying God. to stop trying to defend them, Jake. Uh, I I hear the series will keep the basic premise which also served as a setup for the movie franchise the drama series will explore the dark inner workings of the Umbrella Corporation and the new world order caused by the outbreak of the T-Virus while the project is in the early stages the series is expected to incorporate all of Resident Evil's signature elements including action sequences and Easter eggs. Guys, what are your thoughts on a Netflix Resident Evil TV series? Sounds like it's going to be live action. It doesn't really state here that it's going to be animation. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be live action to me, too. I'm excited for this. I'm here for this. Um, The movies are a guilty pleasure for me, and as long as... This could be really fun. If they give it a good budget, yet still keep it campy, and give me some likable actors and actresses, then this could be a good time. Yeah, I got I'm it. excited. I hope this is a good trailer. I got to hear a showrunner and some actors announced. I don't know, man. It could be good, but I don't know. We'll see. Aaron. I'm in. 
Yeah, uh, I'm interested for sure. I need to uh, I need to pick up Resident Evil 2 remake that just came out. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of the original games, so uh, I would be excited to see what they can do with it. Tyler, yeah, that's good timing uh, with them announcing that right as that game came out because I mean that Resident Evil hype's big right now. Um, I was a big fan of the original when I was a kid, the first one. I never saw any of the other ones, but I mean, if they get a good showrunner, I'll be into this. Yeah, they got to get a good showrunner and they got to get like some good actors, I think, involved in this thing. But you know, Netflix, who knows? Like, never count them out. I mean, I think. I don't know. It could be great, man. A fucking Netflix Resident Evil series. It could be pretty fantastic. So we'll see. I I don't know. I'm just I'm I've been more impressed with their series than I have been their movies lately. I was I was going to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More excited that it's a series than yeah, a movie. Exactly. If they were to send like a Resident Evil movie out of them like fuck god, I just watched Polar. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I mean, you did just watch uh, Kingdom, which is also a zombie series. On I know, but that's original. It's a, it's a, it's a South, it's a South Korean. I think like that was a South Korean show that Netflix basically like kind of like picked up. No, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Stop fucking with me, Aaron. <laughs> I, will. I will. I love having Aaron on, Jay. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I, I, I mostly you make you mad. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> you get someone like Stephen tonight or something on this. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh Tyler! Yeah. Oh, that's a great call. You get Stephen tonight on this bad boy. I am there all day, dude. Yeah, if if, if that's the first announcement, I'll be like, okay, I'm watching it. Not hey, guys. He didn't say Stephen Knight from Taboo or the Serenity movie. I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> Stephen Dunnight. Okay, this guy was heavily involved in the first season of Daredevil. Uh, he was also the director for the second Pacific Rim movie, which I actually liked. Um, I know a lot of people didn't. I thought it was terrific. But yeah, Stephen Dunnight, man, that's a great fucking choice. He would kill in this universe, dude. Yeah. Oh, it was Drew Goddard who did Cabin in the Woods, right? Yeah, he did Cabin. Yeah, like he did Cabin Drew in the Goddard. Woods. Yeah. Is it Goddard or Goddard? It's Goddard. I, I'm Goddard. Yeah. It's Goddard. Dude, I've heard it both ways. I mean, tomato, <laughs> tomato, right? Not yeah, no, to, not to him though. Goddard. It's not to him though. He's like, that's my fucking last name, and you're mispronouncing it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and also, <laughs> no one is actually properly pronouncing tomato, tomato. So I exactly. Think, I think <laughs> Who the fuck is saying tomato? <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that except in that context. <laughs> I would yeah. slap a motherfucker in the <laughs> face. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, I am so. Oh, what do you got to say? What, what's what's so important, Tyler? Would someone like Dan West say tomato? Oh, he would. I bet he says tomato. Oh my god, I love the way him and Matt Kirby say Aquaman. When they say Aquaman, I am just. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my, I want to drink some Aquafina when those guys are talking about Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I love those British accents. They're fucking amazing. Um, hey, uh, I read a really heartbreaking article over the week, um, and it was uh, published by the L.A. Times, and it was titled, Still Grieving, Anton Yelkin's Parents Try to Move Forward with New Documentary. I'm actually going to post 
this article, the link to the article in our show notes if you want to read it, because I'm not going to read the whole article here. But there's a lot of stuff about Anton Yelkin. You guys will remember him as Chekhov in the new Star Trek films with, you know, the J.J. Abrams one. And then, you know, he was most recently the last movie he was in was Thoroughbreds. Uh, he was in Green Room. But uh, this is the actor that died at the age of 27. And um, here's here's a little bit of the article. The couple have this is his parents. The couple have already done a number of things in tribute to their son, an actor who amassed close to 70 film and TV credits, ranging from the most recent Star Trek reboots to Hearts in Atlantis and Curb Your Enthusiasm before his death at the age of 27. They erected a statue in his likeness at Hollywood Forever Cemetery and donated $1 million to the newly named Anton Yelkin Cystic Fibrosis Clinic at Keck Hospital of USC, where he received treatment for the disease. I didn't even know that Anton Yelkin had cystic fibrosis. Like, and they, yeah, I had no clue. Jake, they talk about it in this article. I would highly recommend reading this. But at the Sundance Film Festival this month, they'll debut their greatest labor of love, Love and Tasha, a documentary that celebrates the actor's legacy. The film, which debuts in Park City on Monday, January 28th, features revealing interviews with some of Anton's many Hollywood collaborators, Kristen Stewart, J.J. Abrams, Chris Pine, Jennifer Lawrence, Jodie Foster, John Cho, and Martin Landau. Um, the documentary was the brainchild of one of the actor's co-stars, John Voight, with whom he appeared in 2015's Court of Conscious. After his death, Anton's parents were share, uh, sharing the grief with Voight, telling him how we don't see any reason to live anymore. That's our whole life is over. Victor recalled, he said, why? Um, John Voight said, why? You have to live. Make a documentary and keep his memory alive. So they've they've made this documentary and it's about his life. It's about Anton Yelkin. It's about, you know, him not in front of the camera, but about him, the person. And so I'm I can't wait to see this. It's called Love and Tasha. And I cannot wait to see this documentary. And I'm going to post the article in its entirety in our show notes. And I highly recommend if like if you if you know who we're talking about. Anton Yelkin, it's a it's a sad story, but like, you know, if you loved him from like either the Star Trek films or if you saw him with Patrick Stewart in Green Room or if you watched Thoroughbreds or anything else that this guy was in, um, he was taken from us way too soon. And um, I mean, this has just been, I can't, you know, it's like his parents seeing their son die like that and he has his whole life in front of him and I don't know, it just the the article just like kind of like tore just like tore me up a little bit and um i can't wait to see the documentary though um i'm I, jake are you intrigued by this oh yeah very much so very much so just what a loss and, yeah. and just the circumstances were so weird um yeah i, I do kind of want to see this it kind of saddens me to know that there's still so much going on after the fact and so many people are still hurt especially his close family wasn't that like the way he passed away was he his car like, his car rolled backwards rolled backwards and, like, when rushed him when he was checking his mail and he got didn't he get caught in between like his 
I might be wrong. It, it was so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was like you know he he was like checking his mail and he got caught in between like a his car and another solid object and it just kind of like crushed him. It was like yeah, a I think brick it was pillar. a wall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it was you know I saw thoroughbreds which came out after he passed away and it was just like it was it that was, looked good How it's a, it? oh it's so good it's a great movie Aaron um uh it's on uh I believe it's hold on let me see I know thoroughbreds is on a service right now where you can kind of stream it um guys if you do not have an app it's called just watch it's the streaming search engine app it's free and it is fucking amazing just download it it's called just watch and if you're like oh my god that movie i want to watch it where can i stream it well all you do is you fucking download this app called just watch and type in the name of that movie and it'll show you if it's streaming somewhere for free and if it's not streaming from somewhere for free it'll show you where it is streaming and how much it is oh uh you can stream uh thoroughbreds right now on cinemax go if you have a cinemax subscription for free and if you want to rent it you can rent it on playstation for 4.99 oh so, yeah, yeah i'm definitely gonna watch it i i saw the trailers and it looked really good it's fantastic man it's really good it's got the it's got the one girl from uh ready player one that was like the main like love interest that had like the birthmark on her face girl that girl yeah, why can't I, can't I remember her name yeah. olivia olivia wild no not olivia wild. olivia cook cook yes and then it's got anya taylor joy who was most recently in the uh glass film and she's also going to be playing magic and new mutants whenever the fuck that comes out because that's getting pushed back like never. another yeah it'll come out never they're yeah. saying it might get pushed to netflix in fact no hulu <laughs> they're talking about it getting oh, pushed hulu. to hulu I'm sorry yeah yeah so yeah uh let's move on to marvel news you stupid fucks (laughs) (laughs) marvel news hey jake were you a fan what of? Were you, <laughs> hey, were you a fan of the Yo Mama jokes back in the like early nineties? I'm not gonna lie, I loved them. Okay, I heard. <laughs> I saw one on Reddit this week, and I was ashamed that I laughed so hard at it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm I'm, I'm good. I, I still love them sometimes that they're good. Somebody like put this on Reddit, and uh, it was a uh, a teacher that had found a note that another child had written to another child and was passing over to this kid in class. And I'm talking like really young. I'm talking like young kids, like first, second grade. And the teacher intercepted the note, took a picture of it and threw it up on Reddit. You know, here's what the note said. It was a yo mama joke. And it said, yo mama's so fat, Thanos had to snap twice. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. That, that was kind of memed all over back when the movie came out. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a goodie. Ah, shit. Well, fuck. I, this, this, I'm out of the loop. <laughs> Remember, at one point, I think 
was it MTV had a like a game show based around your mama jokes? They did. They did. They did. And do you, I think that actually started. It felt like it started from. Did you ever see the in the in living color sketch? Where they? Oh, had, I do remember that. Yeah. And do you remember like who like the reigning champ was in that sketch? Like it was a nope. game show. The reigning champ was Ed O'Neill from uh, Married with Children, who played Al Bundy. That's awesome. He came on there and he had a yo mama joke that was. I thought it was hilarious at the time. He's like, he's like, um, your mama's so stupid. She gave a guy a blowjob because he said it would help with his unemployment. And they had to bleep out blowjob because it was fucking Fox television. Yeah, in the early 90s and shit. That's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. I was just like, holy shit. I can't believe that they fucking said blowjob. But, you know, they didn't, but they bleeped it out. But that was fucking like early 90s, man. Uh, Jake, uh, we didn't get your thoughts last week on the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. I just wanted to know what you thought about it. Yeah, I actually loved it. Even though I wasn't much of a Homecoming fan, Mysterio is one of my favorite Spider-Man villains of all time. And I've been waiting for this for a long time. And I was very intrigued and excited by it. Uh, Gyllenhaal's performance looked really interesting. And and yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste. It It was a very well-crafted trailer. I loved it. Uh, I Tupperware'd it. Everybody on the podcast last week Tupperware'd it. So. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I got a uh, voice message from uh, Greg Alenti uh, on Facebook this week, and I kind of wanted to play it. Um, he does call Happy Hogan Foggy a couple times. He kind of fucks up, but I just wanted to play this message here real quick. Hey, Brian, <clears throat> I was thinking about the uh, Homecoming trailer, and... Like, if Uncle Ben died probably in the last, I would guess, in the last year or so of MCU time, right? Um, Not to sound like a dick, but how feasible is it that Aunt May kind of has this flirting relationship with Foggy? Because, not Foggy, Happy. Because, you know, her husband was murdered, right? He didn't just die. He was murdered. And we'll set aside, you know, how long people take to move on and all those sensitive topics. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. What if Foggy lost somebody too, like Tony, and that's sort of one of the things that they use to explain why they're kind of gravitating to one another? I don't know. Maybe nothing there, but thought it was interesting. All right. So that uh, that was Greg's thoughts. And like, okay, so me and him start after you sent me that, we talked about it a little bit. And in the Marvel, the first 10 years source book, it says that Civil War takes place in 2016. There's no official date for Spider-Man Far From Home, but assuming that, you know, Uncle Ben died maybe six months to a year before Civil War, possibly like, yeah, like I said, six months to a year max, we could go back to maybe 2015 as being when Uncle Ben died. So he was 15 years old. We find out he's 15 years old in Homecoming, according to IMDB.com. So that would mean that... Maybe he was 14 when Uncle Ben died. So it's we don't know how old he is and far from home, but we would guess that like Greg made a good point that he would probably be a junior in high school before maybe Aunt May would let him go like out of the country on a trip like this. So maybe he's 16, 17. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really interesting to think about because 
they kind of just fast forwarded past that on purpose because they knew we all had fatigue from the Uncle Ben stuff. So yeah, yeah. it is kind of hard to pinpoint when that did happen now because of that. Yeah. I, I don't know if, like, I think that Greg has a kind of like an interesting point. I'm not 100% sold that Iron Man's going to die here, but I did think about this. What if in the post credit scene of Spider Man Far From Home, Peter comes home from his European trip, opens the door, says, Aunt May, I'm home, and sees Happy Hogan and Aunt May on the couch making out, and Peter says, what the fuck? And then it cuts the credits, just like the last movie. Just like the last... Isn't that awesome? Yes. Happy pretty yeah. I'm, th- I'm calling it. I'm fucking calling it. I'm Babe Ruth. I'm fucking calling it. I'm calling it just like a home run. I think mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. I do. I do. I'm calling it right now that, like, at the beginning of the movie, they, they fucking allude to it, that they allude to it, that there's a little bit of flirtation going on. Peter's out of the picture for a couple weeks, going to Europe, and just like the last movie ended, where Aunt May walks into the room, his bedroom, she sees the fucking suit, she sees him in the suit, and she goes, what the fuck? And it ends, this movie is going to end with Peter walking back into the house, seeing Aunt May with Happy on the couch making out and he says what the fuck and cut to credits that's the end of the fucking movie I'm calling it now yeah go Favreau <laughs> go Happy it's I think that's a really good idea and I hope I hope it's true I thought you were going to say what if he comes back and because of the end of Endgame, fucking Uncle Ben is alive, and we get some random. Whoa, penis. that's where I thought Uncle you were going ben. too. I was not really. <laughs> Uncle yeah. Ben's alive. Oh my god, that would be insane. I yeah, don't think that they be. would ever do that. Like, like there's deaths that are like, you know, like you don't bring back the Waynes, and you don't unless you know unless you're doing like the you know the the Thomas Wayne and the in the Elseworld stories and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. In Flashpoint, but you're not, I don't think you're bringing back uncle Ben. The the saying when we were kids, Brian was, you don't bring back uncle Ben and Bucky. Yeah. um, They brought back Bucky that, but I mean that Brubaker found a way to do it and it worked. I mean, and fuck, we even seen it in a movie. So yeah, but do you, you don't do that. You do that in the comic books first, wouldn't you though, Jake? Yeah, I don't know. I, they need to be like emblazoned to do a big creative decision in the movies at least once, right? Like you can only go so long. Like surprise everyone one time. I mean, Peter's, you know, like Peter has talked to Uncle Ben post in the comics. He's talked to Uncle Ben, you know, after his death. Yeah, like, they've definitely done stuff. They yeah. brought they, they brought his parents. They toyed with yeah. his parents being alive in the comics a bunch. Yeah, it looked like they were going that route in the. Um, I'm just saying the that web Spider-Man movies, I'm or not just, the web ones, the yeah, whatever I'm, the ones were, the amazing ones. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah, fucking web. I just think it's more believable to see Happy making out with Aunt May than fucking Uncle Ben coming back. Come on, guys. Oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I wasn't I on that page. I didn't think that was happening. <laughs> okay, good. I just thought that's where you were going. I was like, oh, this is a crazy idea, but you know. Hey, uh, Black Panther earns Best Picture nomination, guys. I just wanted to point that out. I think it's a big deal, and I want to congratulate, um, you know, Kevin Feige and and everybody over there at Marvel for getting nominated. I do think it's kind of fucked up though that Ryan Coogler didn't get nominated for Best Director, but 
You know, I mean, I always think that's weird, right? Don't you? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Happened happened to Bradley Cooper as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, and it, it, I mean, it's not like this is the first year that that's that's happened where like something's been nominated for best picture and the director hasn't been. But uh, yeah, congrats to Black Panther, and I think it would be fantastic if it won. Um, probably not, but uh, you know, yeah, it's it's a big win for all comic book movies. Yeah, just to get nominated. Yeah, just, it's super yeah. cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Inverse had an interview with Charlie Cox titled Charlie Cox Knows What the Plot of Daredevil Season 4 Could Have Been. Um, I think that this is going to anger fans of the show who are upset that it was canceled even more. And uh, we can't blame Charlie Cox for, you know, stirring the pot here. I'm reading all these different articles where he's kind of like torn up about this, but, you know, that that he can't play the character anymore. But he says uh, they'd had a preliminary conversation with me about what might happen and who might be involved or what the story might be that was exciting me and I heard and what I heard was very exciting so I had a vague sense of what the show might be I had some idea and um, he like couldn't get into it because of like uh, like uh, you know NDAs and things like that but um, he did say that he said, I was looking forward to Wilson Bethel kind of getting to inhabit the character of Bullseye. Season three was kind of an origin story for the character and how Agent Poindexter becomes that character. So I was looking forward to having a season where he really embodies the Bullseye persona and what that dynamic could, uh, would be between Bullseye and Daredevil. Um, and then Charlie Cox also revealed this week that he signed the Save Daredevil petition online. <laughs> so <laughs> that that was kind of cool. But I don't know, man. God damn it. It's over. Aaron, it's Fuck. it's over, right? Yeah, it's over. Makes me sad. Tyler, did you watch season three? Oh, my God. I loved it so much. So good. That's, I, I've watched that last scene in the uh, penthouse probably ten times. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's so good. It's it's an incredible season and uh, not the way that you want a series to end after that. It's like you want to see this come back. And it's it's you know, it's one of those things where it's like I can I'm glad that Charlie Cox is kind of stirring the pot here. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's like when um, Ron Perlman was out doing yes. the same thing for like Hellboy. Yeah. 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 Did you guys watch that interview that he had? I think it was a. I can't remember. Collider. With Collider, yeah. I think I posted yeah. it on Perlman our, or Cox. Ron per, Ron Perlman. Oh, okay. No, I have not seen that. Me yeah, either. yeah. He's talking about. Did you watch that, Tyler? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he he wasn't happy. Yeah, he was not happy. He was like, you know, basically saying like, you know, he put he put so much into the character and wanted to bring back the character and stuff like that that. You know, like, he's not going to cameo in the new film and stuff like that. And, you know, it kind of hurts. Like, he petitioned really hard for that character to, to bring him back. So, yeah. Um, I was thinking for Daredevil, the only way they could ever bring that back is if they go the way Mark Wade took it and just completely change the tone. For Charlie to come back uh, and do it? No, for Daredevil. I, I, that would back. alienate so many people. Like you, I, you couldn't do that right away anytime soon. No, they'd have to wait a long time, and they'd have to change the tone of it. Like, yeah, and the reason they did that is because it got bad. Like that was a that was a fix. Not in the not comics. A, yeah. Yeah. 
but that's the only way to ever do anything different with it because this take on Daredevil was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Um, Deadline had an article on uh, Chatting Tatum, and it was about his uh, X-Men spinoff Gambit. They go on to say he has been trying to get going the X-Men spinoff Gambit. He has long been slotted to play the charming card-throwing mutant, and Buzz says that he might direct the film after several other filmmakers have been in and out. But there is no start date at this point, and it's still being worked on. We'll tell you more when we hear it. This is from Deadline. Okay, so we had the previous reports that were from Daniel RPK on Twitter, who's with Super Bro Movie, saying, like, these projects are dead. That's what he's heard. Now we're getting an article from Deadline, who I think Deadline, you know, is a little bit more reliable um, uh, as of late. Daniel RPK has been on, and then he's had some stuff that's kind of like, it's been hit or miss, um, you know. So he... Yeah, he said that we were going to get a, a full-length Shazam trailer on the 22nd. And then the director of that film was like, no, I hadn't heard anything about that. So he's been right in the past. And, and, and you know, um, but here we got uh, Deadline saying that, like, no, the project's not dead. And uh, it's still being worked on. Um, but they're also hearing that Channing Tatum is wanting to direct the film. I gotta see this. I got it. God damn it! They gotta make this God, fucking now movie. I'm a bigger train wreck every time we talk about it. I love it, Jake. I gotta see this fucking a Channing Tatum directed fucking Gambit movie. I gotta see this. Oh my god! Oh, and, and at this point, like he, he owes nothing to like any kind of mythology, right? Just do it and do it how you want it now before the whole thing gets like reset anyway. <laughs> I got. Oh, I want this. Yeah. I want it so bad. Has- has Channing Tatum directed anything? No, that's why no. I, I want this so bad. I've I didn't want this until right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, now I'm still I need out. to see it. Oh my god, I gotta <laughs> it's see gonna this. It's gonna be a nightmare. Well, Br- Brian, you've been personally campaigning for this movie forever. So. I seriously, yeah. If I had more like poll on social media, like I would be like, sh- like sh- shouting from like social media, like uh, uh, the heavens, like please make the Gambit movie. <laughs> like I would finance this thing if I had the money. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I know it. I'd be it'd be a losing deal. I know I'd never make my money back, but at the. X Men Origins. Oh God, it's hard to be worse than X Men Origins. I know, but uh, poor it, Taylor like... Kitsch. Oh, poor Taylor Kitsch. I I like that guy too. Yeah, he was in that, and then uh, True Detective season two, and like everyone just hates him. And John Carter. Oh, and John Carter. Oh my God, why did they just? Why did they call it John Carter? I like John Carter. I John loved Carter's it. Great. I love John Carter. Saw it in the theater. They should have just called it like. Uh, was it John Carter from Mars, you know, like they do in the comic books or like, you know, uh, John Carter. Was it Deja Thoris? Um, I have the book. Yeah. There's it's just like, anything exciting instead yeah. of some boring name. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah, we talked about Denna Geek posting that picture of Catherine Langford. I got that here in my notes. We already talked about that. 
So let's move on into any, any final thoughts about anything else? Gambit, Chambit, anything else? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I hope Gambit never happens. Fuck you, Jake, you fucking asshole. That's not, I don't, not to deprive you. You are. Just, you are depriving me. You're basically. That's not why. That's the no, only reason I. I have air in my lungs now, right now, Jake, because of this news. And you know what you're doing? You're sucking all the air out of my goddamn lungs. <laughs> you are. You're like, Brian. Oh, oh they, they breathe life back into Brian. And you're sucking it all out. <laughs> I'm sorry. You I'm are. Sorry. I don't mean to be that way. I feel bad. This is my. <laughs> no, this is like, you know, like there are movies that like, they tease that don't get made. Like, this fucking New Mutants bullshit? Ah, fuck <laughs> that. That's going to be fucking trash. They're talking about what? Are they, they're talking about that might be uh, pushed back even further now. You know, and it might even just come out. It just might. They might release it on Hulu. What the fuck? I thought it, I thought it looked stupid. I thought it looked like garbage. And now they're talking about it releasing it on Hulu. Like, they don't know I, what. I just feel bad. I have a friend who worked on that movie, and I just feel bad for him because, like, it was like a big deal, you know. Yeah, well, I'm sorry that they got they got suckered into working on that movie. Yeah, he just did effects though, so it's okay. He yeah. didn't like write or do anything, you know, Dude, that could really it, get shit on. It's the first cinematic appearance of the X Men Magic, and I love Magic. Magic is my favorite X Men character. And I love the actress that's playing uh, the actor that's playing her, uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Like she, I think she's great. She would be a great magic if they just like if it was you know Feige in control of the character. But like like I don't know. Yeah, she has the look. It's just she the does. script is probably not going to support that look. Yeah, I don't know, man. I you know, it, I just I think the writing's on the wall with that movie that it's garbage. They did a bunch of reshoots. Yeah. They don't know what they're going to do with it now. They're just holding on to it. They think you know, like this movie was supposed to. When was this? This movie was supposed to come out. They launched the first trailer back in October of 2017. It was supposed to come out mid-2018, Jake. Mid-2018. They're holding on to this as an August 2nd release of this year, of 2019. It's been a long time. I'm pretty sure when we first discussed the trailer for New Mutants, we did it in Frank's basement. Dude, you're probably right. And you know what? I remember seeing this trailer in theaters what feels like almost like two years ago. Yeah, it's been a long, long time. time. So yeah. I feel sorry for – even if it is a big shit fest, I do feel sorry for like the actors and actresses. And Josh Boone. Process. I think Josh yeah. Boone's a damn good director as well. Yeah, it's got to be heartbreak, heartbreaking and just like oh, my, on the edge of your seat just waiting to find out what the fuck's going to happen with your the thing you worked so yeah, hard Yeah, but you don't feel bad about Channing Tatum and me in this Gambit movie, you son of a bitch. And they don't have anything in the can, though. It's just empty promises still. I hope that Gambit movie, Channing Tatum writes, directs, produces, yes. stars. Yes. Does he does the music. Yes. Like a real Robert Rodriguez, like acoustic-style music score. I want to yeah. see, see Channing Tatum do the music. Like him, like, like doing, like, playing, like, playing a sousaphone <laughs> like a recorder he's got, yeah he's like a one-man band right you know he's got symbols yeah. and <laughs> those guys on the streets that have like six instruments attached to their body yes I... exactly exactly <laughs> 
<laughs> I give the behind the scenes of that would be hilarious. Like, man, the Gambit movie, it was kind of decent, but what was with all the clanging during all the action sequences? <laughs> and they show, like, the credits at the end, and it's like everything is like Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum. <laughs> Second grip, third grip, fourth grip. Just sets Channing the camera Tatum. up on the tripod and just <laughs> runs around. <laughs> Oh my god. Catering provided by Danny Tatum. <laughs> he brought the same sandwiches that they took to the <laughs> that they took to the fire festival. <laughs> yeah, a cheese sandwich. He brought his Channing Tatum tots, am I right? Oh, oh god, oh. here comes the dad jokes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were on a roll and then Aaron started to talk. <laughs> Time to move on to the next news story, I guess. Yeah. It's like, all right. All right, Aaron, and that you know what that means. We're on to DC news now. <laughs> you know what, Jake? Just because you're being a dick, I hope they make this fucking movie. And Brian, just because you're being a dick, I hope they never make it. <laughs> That's what I say to you. <laughs> oh, man. You made DC news happen, Aaron. What am I supposed to do? Fucking champion you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really that's a good point i regret i regret my old decision. <laughs> all right it is now time for dc news last night batman destroyed my vagina and now the leftovers are going to destroy dc news it's time for dc news you fucking pieces of shit apparently there's been some screenings early screenings of uh shazam this movie's coming out in April, like April 5th, early April, um, someone online is claiming to have seen the film at an early audience screening, and they had this to say online, and this is, I guess, possible light spoilers for Shazam. They said it was actually really good, totally different tone than any DC movie. It was very funny. I laughed a lot. The villain is Mark Strong, and he's good, but a little run-of-the-mill. He wasn't worthy to be Shazam as a kid. So he's on the hunt for who is. That's probably the weakest point, to be honest. Billy Batson and the rest of the adopted kids kill it and they and are an absolute highlight. Billy figuring out his powers is an awesome sequence. Great references to the universe. It's clearly a DCEU movie. A battering is involved and a neck down shot of Superman is in what I think is the post credit scene. Okay. All of this stuff, in my opinion, is like stuff that we already know. Like we've seen the battering in the trailer. We've heard the rumor that they wanted to get Henry Cavill in there as Superman, and we know that there's going to be a training montage of him figuring out his powers. Like the only thing that I didn't know here, and it's probably still out there on the internet, is the fact that Mark Strong's villain here was originally set to be. He wanted to be. Shazam, but he wasn't worthy. Everything else just seems like this guy like pulled it from every other kind of article that's already out there. Yeah, you're saying this guy really possibly did not see the movie and just made all this stuff from stuff we already knew. Yes, but I do know that there were people that saw Aquaman months before the actual screening. So I don't know, Jake. It's just I I kind of smell what you're smelling, Brian, because yeah. with the Aquaman stuff, we had a lot more sources to kind of back things up. Yeah. 
you think you'd be hearing a little bit more some some other opinions yeah i mean like this is nothing like out of the ordinary like you could be like at the mall of america in minnesota walking around and somebody comes up to you and says hey we've got a screening of a movie that's going to be hitting theaters soon would you like to come and see it and they hand you a pass and then they uh, like you know you didn't you're just randomly walking around a theater and if you got a couple hours to spare uh, a, a mall and if you got a couple hours to spare you're gonna get to see a movie before any other audience gets to see it like this is just how they do things and then all of a sudden like you don't even know what movie you're gonna go see but now and I heard that they did this with Justice League Jake like I heard yeah. that they, I heard they did it with Justice League and um, you know the next thing you know how cool would that be it would be cool wouldn't it like. Yeah, I'm talking like three, four months early before the fucking movie comes out. Like you're getting to see like that's why part of this makes me think like it might be real because like they haven't finished everything with it because he says, listen to this. It's clearly a DCEU movie. A battering is involved and a neck down shot of Superman is in what I think is the post credit scene. Jake, it's not even presented as a post credit scene in this person's viewing. Mm. That makes me think. It must be like kind of jilted where there's like no credits and they just cut to the scene. That's one of the statements in this that makes me feel like this could be legit. Right? Yeah. Or I guess devil's advocate is he's smart enough to say something like that to make it sound like it was a little bit rough cut still. That's true. Because like that's what I got out of it is like, wow, you know. Because, like, you know, when you're watching, you know, like this, it's like sometimes when people watch these. early showings like some of the effects aren't even completed 100 percent. they're they're re- literally watching like an early rough cut of the film yeah and we've heard lots of stories of people seeing rough cuts of lots of different big event movies so it wouldn't be hard to be smart enough to know to pepper that in there the mm-hmm. review if it was a fake review especially if this is like a seasoned like you know like a seasoned movie fan that's on reddit or on a lot of these sites Right. You could easily write this review, Brian, without have seen the movie. Like, sure. just like you said, nothing is being presented here that you we didn't already know. Yeah. I mean, I could if I really wanted to, I could t- get online, go to Reddit on like, you know, MCU leaks and write that. Oh, I've seen Avengers and talk about like the, you know, the time loop and the, the quantum for you know, quantum realm and time vortexes. And then just throw in some stuff. Like at the end of the movie, you're going to see stuff like, you know, Wolverine's adamantium claws. Yeah. Um, just, just saw Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Proper ending to the, all the years of Marvel movies we've seen. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man really steals the show. Good times. Lots of laughs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then just like pepper a few things that are just like 100% bullshit and fan fiction that like add up to things like, you know, oh, but yeah, like the Battle of New York is absolutely amazing revisiting it and like getting like the the Avengers, you know, like where they show like that shot of all the Avengers and in that in that rotating shot where you get them all in there and like now they've got all the heroes involved in that scene. It's oh, it's so amazing and blah 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 blah. Um oh, did you um there's rumors like Mjolnir's back in uh, in Endgame. Oh, that makes sense. Maybe he plucks one from the past. Possibly, yeah. Some people are saying like he takes it to he he goes back to Ichri and has Ichri make another one. But I'm like thinking to myself like you would still have to have Odin enchant it. 
Odin was the one who enchanted it with the magic to where like nobody else could lift it. But if you're yeah. unless you're worthy, so I don't know. The past thing makes more sense to me. Just yeah. getting an old one. Yeah, it's already enchanted. It's the same thing, just you know, from a, a past time. Tyler, you looking forward to Shazam? Uh, yeah, I think it looks great, but it, I'm a little disappointed if what that guy's true about uh, Mark Strong, because man, he is. He's so good. He is good. And he just keeps getting to play these villains and that aren't interesting. Like, in Green Lantern, he could have been a great Sinestro, but... He was a great Sinestro, in my opinion. Oh, he was the best part of that movie. Ex- thank you. Thank but you. But yeah. it could have... I mean, if it was a better movie... Sure. Like, he he could have stole... I mean, it, was, it could have been great. Yeah. So I'm hoping he has a little bit more to work with, but... Yeah, I'm excited for this. Looks great. Aaron, you looking forward to Shazam? Are you out? Oh no, I'm in. I think it looks really fun. Yeah, me too. I think it's got uh, in the trailer a little more heart than we've seen in most of the DC stuff. You know, of, of recent, Wonder Woman probably had the most heart for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Aquaman, I thought was fun, but I don't th- didn't care about anyone. <laughs> and this looks this looks like I'm gonna care. You know. Yeah. Uh, I got Joker movie news here from uh, DarkHorizons.com. This is fucked up. I gotta, guys, I gotta explain this, and I gotta hear your thoughts on this shit. This is fucked up. Like, this gives me pause for, like, I never had to, I never had, like, really good expectations for this movie anyway, but, like, this gives me some pause here. Hold on. Uh, It was shot for three months in New York this past fall. And wrapping just after Thanksgiving, the Todd Phillips-directed feature Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix as the iconic villain from the Batman DC Comics, remains an interesting question mark at the moment. The film is an original standalone story as it explores the life of Arthur Fleck, played by Joaquin Phoenix, a man disregarded by society. Dubbed both a gritty character study and a broader cautionary tale, it turns out that the vision for it appears to have changed along the way. Speaking to MTV News via Collider this week, the film's female lead star Zazie Beetz revealed that the script from writers Phillips and Scott Silver was being rewritten throughout production, even on the same day as some scenes. And that was in part due to the physical changes Phoenix did for the role, which prevented reshoots at a later date. Quote, this is from Zazie Beetz. The script was great. We rewrote the whole thing while we were shooting it. Literally, we would go into Todd's trailer and write the scene for the night and then do it. During hair and makeup, we'd memorize those lines and then do them. And then we'd reshoot that three weeks later. We had to do everything then because Joaquin had lost so much weight that we couldn't do reshoots later on. So we were figuring it out. But Todd's quick at getting stuff done, so we always had extra time. Interestingly, neither Beats or anyone else has painted this as a troubled or difficult production. And all indications are the movie was filmed on time, on budget, and without any major issues during the resh- uh, during the shoot. Um, uh, wow! They, I don't know what to make of this. I don't either. No bueno. Yeah, writing on the fly like that, I I don't know. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, like, I understand, like, why she wouldn't, like, try to 
bring any alarm to it. They're trying to sell a fucking movie here, but that just does not sound like like each day, like depending on how they were shooting it and how they were feeling about it, like they were writing, like rewriting the script as they went sometimes the day of. I don't know. This sounds bizarre. And it sounds like they like like they knew that they couldn't do reshoots because of Joaquin Phoenix's like other maybe he had like another film role and like that other film role he was possibly it sounds like he was putting on weight for another film role. Yeah, it sounded like he would look too different. Yeah. Like to come just, in uh, it must have been weight loss in the face even too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This movie yeah. comes out on in, in, on October fourth of this year. I don't know. I do not know. It's got a great cast: so Robert De Niro, Bill Camp, uh, Francis Conroy, Brett Colin, Glenn Flesher, Douglas Hodge, Mark Maron, uh, Shea Wiggum is in this movie. Zazie Beetz, of course, Joaquin Phoenix. This this movie's going to be something to see. I, I think it's it's hard to imagine it's going to be completely irredeemable. Dude, I can't believe we're going to be fucking reviewing this movie in october like this is coming out this, yeah no no yeah zazzy beats from fucking uh she played domino in deadpool she's in the atlanta series she's playing um arthur fleck the joker's like main love interest in this movie i saw her in slice uh this last year and it was fucking terrible i heard slice was pretty bad it was horrible yeah did you have something to say there, Tyler? Uh, I was just going to say the cast is great, but Todd Phillips is a wild card. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, like, I don't care what people think about The Hangover. Like, I'm not the biggest fan, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, we, you also got Scorsese as a producer on this thing. So he's got his name on this as well. So we'll see what happens. Todd Phillips made a uh, um, a documentary about oh fuck what's his name Gigi Allen he made a Gigi Allen documentary before uh, the Hangover movies that's really good really okay yeah but that doesn't lend anything to this movie yeah God I remember <laughs> that what was it called I can't remember man it was supposedly really crazy though like uh, NC seventeen like they wouldn't rate it. it when I watched it it was on YouTube it's called okay. Hated. Hated, okay. Last fucking story, and then we're done for the night, gentlemen. I sound excited about getting done with this episode, don't I? <laughs> yeah, wow. That's, you should think that's everyone else, not you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I got some Wonder Woman 3 news here from THR. Yeah, we don't even have the second one out. But I was going to say, did you, was that a typo? No, it was not, sir. This is legit Wonder Woman 3 news from THR. Director Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 3 will be a contemporary story. Here's the quote from Patty Jenkins. Uh, It's definitely one of the things that we talked about. I'm not planning to put it in the past again, because where are you going to go? You have to go forward. It's definitely a contemporary story. That's all I can say. Where we put it and how that gets figured out, I haven't totally nailed down. Um, they also asked if she might direct the next Justice League film. She responded, The Justice League movie? I find those movies to be extremely challenging. I think they are fantastic when they are well done. But taking on 
all of those characters at the same time in the timeline. I sort of hope that we don't do a Justice League movie for a little while because I'm excited to see all of their movies. I want to see Aquaman 2. I want to see Flash. She added, never say never, but I think everyone should have their moment to shine. So, yeah, basically she's basically uh, she's saying that Wonder Woman 3 is going to take place uh, modern day. So we're getting the second film. The well, first film took place in 1914. And now we're going to get the uh, second film, which is going to place, take place in 1984. And if she comes back, she doesn't have a deal to do the third one. But she's saying if she does come back, if there is a third one, it'll be contemporary. It will take place in modern day. That's cool. I'm glad they're not going to dilly-dally around. In the, Not that I'm not excited for what they're doing with the second one and what they did for the first one. But I, I think it's time. Like, make it feel like a trilogy and you book in that with you know making it contemporary i think that's really cool and smart i think it should be 1997 Mm, i'm good on that (laughs) yeah i'm good on that with the x-men movies where they're just like remember it's 10 years every time (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, captain marvel's right in there too so it's a smart move i'm i i'm fine with her doing the 1984 and then taking it to present day so i have no problem with that but We'll see. They haven't even signed her on yet, so. Yeah, we'll see. You're right about that. If It's hard to imagine she's not going to deliver, though, with this next one. Doesn't, dude, fucking Joss Whedon's, like, isn't that weird? Think about this. Like, Joss Whedon's career at DC was, like, the shortest-lived thing, right? <laughs> yeah, is it over? Is he now fi- completely done? Dude, he was doing Bad Girl, and he's gone. Like yeah, he was like one hundred percent on Batgirl, and like now he's gone. Like who do they? He got? seems like he's having some life problems. Yeah, no, he's doing some other stuff. He's doing like a TV thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like he's not doing anything right now. He's still got other mm-hmm. things going on. We, d- I think we literally just talked about him doing like a TV thing, like if just a few weeks. Ago. I'm looking it up right now. I think he's producing the new Buffy series, but I don't think he's directing or doing anything. I think his name is kind of blacklisted right now. You know, there was some stuff with his wife, and uh, he did Justice League, which wasn't great. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon, or at least what he did in the late 90s, early 2000s for TV. Uh, I love Buffy. I love Angel. I loved Firefly and Serenity. I loved Cabin in the Woods. So, I mean, I hope he gets to make some more stuff. But Cabin in the Woods, that was Drew Goddard, though. But I believe uh, Wheaton... He might have been an executive. He, he produced it. Yeah. He produced it. Yeah, he, like, he co-wrote. Yeah, he co-wrote and produced it. I just mean, I like his writing style. Even though, you know, obviously, uh, a lot of times everyone just sounds like Joss Whedon. He's very Kevin Smith in that way. Where, like, all the characters are just little yeah. Joss Whedons. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah, Chris. Uh, yeah, the new Batgirl movie. I don't think. Yeah, they got Christina Hodson, of course. She's doing the screenplay, and she was the writer for the Bumblebee film. I think that's fantastic. Oh. Yeah, I fuck yeah. Um, IMDb. Do you think there's gonna be a Justice League two? They, they're not. It's it, they're not talking about Justice League two right now. Yeah, they're it's not, gonna be like a soft reboot. I mean, yeah, it, I can't see it. It was well, recent. They, they, it was uh, recently it was said by you know one of the guys that's high up at DC was like you know um, our main focus right now is just to have great individual films 
Yeah. And we want to make sure that this is like a director-focused studio just to have great individual films. So I think that there's kind of like stepping back and seeing like, hey, like our two biggest movies that we've had so far have been individual solo movies. Like Wonder Woman was fantastic. People loved it. Aquaman is fucking blowing the fuck up, you know, here domestically and overseas. So I don't think they're too worried about, like, the expanded universe on this stuff right now. They just don't have anybody that can, like, pull that all together. They don't have a Kevin Feige that can, like, bring all these characters together in a cohesive fashion to where, like, you know, like, they can do the solo movies plus, like, like let's get everybody together and uh, make a, have an event film. So, you know, just, just do individual films. Yeah, I think they're moving in the right direction. They're getting there. I think they were originally just being so reactionary. Like, they were just trying to emulate what was successful elsewhere. And I think now they're seeing that they can just make movies with their characters and it's, try yeah, their best. They were, but they weren't. I mean, it's not like it's not like Zack Snyder was conforming to like what with Kevin Feige was doing over at Marvel. Right? I mean, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah totally they were very different. Yes. But as far as, like, them trying to set the building blocks for, like, a franchise, they, they were mirroring that too much. Yeah. It's weird. Um, I have a gift here that I'm going to open before we end. And this comes from Rebecca Daling. She said... Hey. She sent me a gift. Um, it's in a tube. So I'm going to pop this back. Ooh, I just popped it open. Like It felt like I opened a Pringles can. I'm ready for some chips to fall out into my hands. It, it's a very long Pringles can. That's what she Barbecue? Said, yeah. But I don't... You know, Pringles like fuck Close up my stomach. Alright, here oh, we go. I love Pringles. Here we go. I'm opening it now. Pulling... It's a... It's a looks like, I think it's a poster. Oh, shit. Here we go. Um, oh, my God. Oh, wow. It's a poster for the Neanderthal Man. This is the Mystery Science Theater 3000 riff that she just went to, the live riff that she went to, and she got this signed. Oh, my God. She got this signed oh, that's by... that's awesome. Yeah, she got it signed by Frank Conniff and Trace Billu from fucking Mystery Science Theater 3000. This is incredible. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, man. She, knew, she knows what you like. I am going to get this. I got to get this framed. Yeah, that's a great gift. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I'm like, you have no idea. Like, I've been watching MST3K. Well, she got us the intro for like, uh, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I played the intro that she got recorded from those guys. And uh, the first time I listened to that, I, I she sent it to me, and I got out of a movie actually, and I played it in the car. And I was just like, I listened to it probably like 15 times straight, just like in awe. Like you guys, you like I, Jake, I, I've been watching like Mystery Science Theater 3000 since it was like on Comedy Central in like the early 90s. You know, I think like the first episode I ever saw, I was probably like 12 or 13. Oh yeah, I remember you used to like get them on VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we had. Uh, you know, like uh, it started originally like in uh, on cable access in Minnesota and it, it became kind of a popular thing. And then Comedy Central signed them and they were on Comedy Central. And like I remember like when we first got Comedy Central, it was like 
it was really, really early when I got Comedy Central when I was a kid. Like some of, like, even I think Peoria Jake didn't even have like Comedy Central, and no, we did not. There was a huge mm-hmm. South Park bootleg yeah. fucking market going on in Peoria. I yeah. tell you that. Yeah, I had Comedy Central like in the early '90s, dude. Like, you know, so I had it a long time before it fucking like hit Peoria. But man. um Thank you, Rebecca. That is awesome. I, I I put it back in the tube, and I'm definitely gonna get this framed. That is so fucking awesome. And she got to she got to meet those guys live and in person, and I'm super jealous. And that's awesome. So thank you so much. That's really yeah, cool. Rebecca's great. That had to have been a great experience. Hey, Aaron, you do a podcast. How can people listen to your podcast? Well, you can look us up on not everywhere. We're on uh, Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. It's nerds. Just the word nerds. Thank you, Brian, for that awesome name. Um, and, you know, we're, we're bi-weekly right now, but we're still pumping them out. We mostly do video games, though. It's like video games and movies, so we're like your guys' uh, your guys sister show for that kind of stuff because you don't really do video games that much. Yeah, I highly recommend everybody check out Keith and Aaron on Nerds. I was on their last episode, so check it out. I mean, you guys are great. You guys are a lot of fun. You guys are loose. You have great chemistry. Um, Keith is hilarious. You're fucking hilarious. I think everybody should check it out. It's a lot of fun. I posted your RSS feed in our notes, so subscribe and download and listen today. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tyler, where can people find you? Probably nowhere other than (laughs) Twitter. uh, I got a YouTube channel with my friends that there we don't you go. post on a lot. It's uh, Ridgewood Studios. If you just go on YouTube and Google that or YouTube search that, our picture's like a pig on a green background. And uh, we make stupid videos and short films and stuff like that. Ridgewood Studios. Um, I just kissed my cat on the forehead. <laughs> did you hear that? I did. That was it. That was uh, that my cat's on the table and I gave him – I just gave him – the I just gave him a kiss on the come here, come here. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Tyler, real quick, most anticipated yeah. movie of the year. Go. Uh, twenty nineteen. Let's see. Uh, um, you can give me three. Give me three. Oh my god, I don't even know what's coming out this year. Uh, I guess uh, Shazam. go back to one. Back to one. Back to one. Yeah, sh- I'm, I'm going to say Shazam because that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, we got we got Endgame coming out. We got oh, jo- yeah. we got Joker coming out. We've got uh, Captain Marvel coming out. Lego Movie Two. Oh, don't Lego Movie Two. Jesus. I mean, Christ. I'm pretty excited about that. It looks Lego Movie was great. I yeah I I don't know. I just. I such nah, Jesus. Um, I'm, uh, did you guys hear they're not, they're doing a Funko movie now? I did see that today. It's going to be some like live action animation hybrid. They were saying, yeah, "Fuck that." Ugh. I, I think that, I'm going to say Star Wars. Mm. Star Wars, the untitled Star Wars episode nine. Yeah, just because well, I have no idea what's going to be in that movie. What about what about uh, anybody looking forward to uh, the new Godzilla King of the Monsters movie? No. Are you kidding no. me? The trailers don't do anything for you. And the trailers were decent. The Mothra stuff looked cool. But oh my! Yeah, the Mothra stuff. King Ghidorah fucking charging at fucking Godzilla did nothing for you. What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, the Lego Movie Two. They got two fucking kaiju's charging at each other like goddamn fucking gigantic 
bowls and you're just like whatever i'm with you jake lego movie one's one of my favorite movies of all time i'm excited for the sequel fuck that movie i don't know you know what i'm excited for is uh the new movie by the guy who made hereditary uh which i think it's called the lighthouse Hmm. it's another horror movie i'm i'm stoked for that because hereditary is probably like my favorite movie of last year oh god (laughs) i'm looking forward to us can't wait. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, me yeah. too. Me too. Yeah, us looks great. I'm looking forward to avoiding the second Lego movie. <laughs> me too. I haven't seen the first, so I'll continue not seeing it. Good for you. Good for yeah. you. Making good My life tried choices. For me, and I said no. Yeah. Fuck you. I ain't watching it. My name's Aaron. I'm a man. <laughs> 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 yeah. Then you grabbed your dick and like walked in the next room. I love it, man. That's awesome. Good for you. I Keep the, it up. I was the only one who grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> I just stayed alone grabbing it by myself. You know. I mean, that's fine for that one night. You know. Anyway, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I I, I love me some Lego movie. You oh can, god. You can I use hate male it. toxic culture to attack it all you want, but I still love it. Oh male toxic culture. Sure. <laughs> fuck it. Whatever. Brian and his toxic masculinity. I know, me and my toxic masculinity over here. Not like in your little baby movies. <laughs> little baby little baby movies. Fuck you. I love the the Batman Lego movie. I saw that shit in IMAX three D and I had a blast. But that fucking that, that, that part just makes my brain hurt even more. Oh uh, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how you could like how you could like the Batman movie, but like totally dismissive when it comes to the masterpiece that is the Lego film by Phil Lord and Todd and Chris Miller. Was ta- exactly. I don't know. It was just dumb. It was stupid. <laughs> Characters were annoying. I don't know. Chris Pratt. I didn't care for his character. I just don't. It's just stupid. And then that dumb reveal at the end of the movie where like like. uh I'm a Will Ferrell. And here's my little fucking Lego set, and it's all live action now. And ooh, 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 M Night Shyamalan twist going on here. Ooh, wow, ooh, wow. Oh, my mind's blown. Oh, Lego movie. Oh, ooh. Uh, you know, it's like my mind was like two separate Legos, and then like those Legos came together, and now it's all coming together in my brain. I appreciate the metaphor. It all makes sense. No, I just, I was, I don't know. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I can't knock you for enjoying stupid stuff. But, you know, I mean, I just, I don't know. Ah, God damn it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I love the Lego Batman movie so much. I just think, like, the villains, like the rogues gallery in that movie were just presented so well. I had a blast D- There with was it. a lot of Easter eggs for comic yeah, fans to, that's, to dive into I think love. that's. I don't know, man. Just the Lego movie itself just didn't work for me. And I, when I went to see the Lego Batman movie, I had a free ticket from the theater because like, I had a shitty experience at another movie. So they gave me a free ticket. And I was like, I'll just use it on an IMAX movie before it expires. And the only movie that was in IMAX at the time was the Batman Lego film. So I was like, ah, fuck it. Let's do this. And, dude, I just I had a blast. It was, it was pretty fucking incredible. So. I am legit excited though. I think it's I think it's next weekend for Lego Movie too. 
Yeah. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller didn't come back out. Uh, they didn't do this one, did they? Are they executive producers on They're it? executive producers, but they did not write and mm-hmm. direct like they did the first one. I hope it's good. I hope you guys, I hope all you people that like the first one like the second one. I hope you had a good time with it. Yeah. It's right around the corner, so I, I can't help but really be anticipating it right now. Yeah. No, I don't knock you. Whatever. Um, what, what's next week? Oh, yeah. What's next week? I just, Jake, what are we doing next week? I know what we're, I know a couple things that I want to talk about next week. I got them in my notes. Um, I think one is actually a Patty Jenkins series. And oh, what's that on? Uh, I Am the Night. It's her new TV series. Uh, it's Patty Jenkins. She's doing a TV series with Chris Pine in the lead role. Um, and then, Jake, you also talked about Folklore on HBO. That's coming out. Oh, yeah, that looks really interesting. That just kind of came out of nowhere. And then February 1st, uh, I believe Velvet Buzzsaw, the Jake Gyllenhaal film, uh, hits Netflix. Oh, yeah, the trailer for that looked good. We talked about that. So I'm we, super excited for that one. Me too. So I, fucking, we, I love Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler was so fucking good, and oh. this is the same fucking director, Dan Gilroy. I know. I, I can't wait to watch that. Me either. So, yeah, these are those are three things that we'll be talking about next week. So I'm done. I'm I'm done. I'm out. I'm done. I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> All right, let's go get some steak and shake. I'm not. I'm gonna fucking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a leak and go to bed. How about that? How's that sound? Same. Uh, I'm gonna get some steak and shake and stay up for four hours and watch the Royal Rumble. Fuck that. I'm gonna. Uh, fuck that. <laughs> God damn it. I already showed you like my blocked words. My blocked words on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's the second year for the uh, the female Royal Rumble and. I mean, honestly, for the last two years, the women have been carrying professional wrestling. So, can't wait. God, I just want. You gonna see that Page movie? Um, when it's on streaming, I will. <laughs> is that the is that the movie? Rock executive produced it. Yeah, it's got Lena Headey in it or Heedy or whatever her name is. I would watch yeah. that before I would watch any real wrestling that you're gonna watch tonight, Jake. I actually got I an email that I can um, see that ahead of its release but i have to drive to chicago for it whatever right. it's called the the page family movie yeah uh, i'm a good night guys yep. have a good one y'all <laughs> yeah. i'll see you good night. all right just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening god we talked about two things that i fucking hate at the end of this podcast that put me in a bad mood wrestling and the fucking lego movie like i literally like feel like wanting to put a bullet in my fucking brain right now we can talk about nightcrawler more we talk about nightcrawler i fucking love nightcrawler but like now uh, in the royal rumble the lego movie you asked me what movies i was anticipating i know it's just fucking it sucks i i wish i would never ask the question like i wish i could like you know like how ant-man is going to use the quantum realm to go back and use like time vortexes to go back in time i wish i could go back in time and punch myself in the fucking face before I could ask you guys questions like what you're looking forward to because I hate what you're looking forward to. I hate the fact that you're looking forward to like eating sandwiches and watching women's wrestling and then the Lego movie. I hate that I asked. That. <laughs> <laughs> so how about that car wreck scene in Nightcrawler? Man. Uh, oh, Rene Russo. Rene Russo. <laughs> Rene yeah. Ru- Russo is going to be in Velvet Buzzsaw too and she was also 
I'm ending this shit. All right, guys. <laughs> Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.